bullet. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, September 11th, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 338. This is No Agenda. Hunkering down for the specific, credible, but unconfirmed threat here at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California. Yay! On the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I can tell the Skype connection is going to stink. Stink, I'm telling you. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. You mean it's going to suck? Uh, the sucking starts now on Skype. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, I had this the other day. This is uh, uh, Microsoft's firmly in control, and now it doesn't work. Yay! It's great. They should call it uh, Skype XP or Skype Vista. <laughs> XP. Actually, I think I'm going to use that as a column. Oh, sure. Send, send me 10%. I'm sending you nothing. All right. uh, in the morning so, to you, John, and happy 9-11. Uh, happy 9-11 to you, and uh, happy 9-11 to all the ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air, feet on the beaches, and everything in between. I want to also... Uh, uh, I forgot my train of thought already. That's good. <laughs> we're, we, we're working on a vaccine for that. Uh, yeah, also in the morning to all of the human resources who have turned off their televisions, uh, just can't take it anymore and are uh, <laughs> are sitting in our chat room all charged up and ready to go can't to uh, help us assassinate the media. And, of course, that is at uh, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. In the morning to you guys. Good to have you all aboard. So we have Viper teams in San Francisco. Viper teams. <laughs> We've got a Viper team in San Francisco. We now head over to John C. Dvorak. John, what's the latest on the streets? There's Viper teams. They're all over the place. They're checking out people's bags to make sure they're not going to blow up BART. Local have state a clip, and federal by the law enforcement officials are on heightened alert in the Bay Area this weekend. Homeland Security counterterrorism teams are highly visible on all Bay Area <laughs> transportation systems. They're called the TSA Viper Team, Viper. and they've been on regular patrol with BART police. Airport officials say no changes are expected in their already heightened security measures. Police are also keeping watch on landmarks, such as the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, I, uh, a friend of mine turned me on to uh, a cool Viper, yeah, Viper Team, a, <laughs> a cool website that uh, plays Manhattan uh, scanners. Uh, you know, so the uh, Manhattan uh, Police Department, north and south, and it plays the... Uh, Manhattan North on the right hands on the right speaker and Manhattan South on the left speaker. And I was listening to it a little bit over the past two days. John, I swear to God, every 10 minutes, it would be like, now uh, 15, 19, uh, suspicious uh, package over now. 32, 25, backpack over there. But it's like, <laughs> and, and literally, counter, hey, counterterrorism team. The amount of junk that is laying around on the street, bags and Macy's bags and old backpacks that people discarded. It was continuous. It was just the whole What's time. Good? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure it's it like, is. You know, counter-ter- and, uh, counterterrorism. So what have uh, they, they found, Adam? They must have found something by now. Yeah, a backpack. A cool backpack with nothing in it. It's just because you know what this is all part of the uh, of Lucy's slogan. If you see something, see something, and everyone's doing that. Oh, I see, I see a box. There's, so, a, there's a guy living in that box. All right, <laughs> leave him alone. So there was. Uh, so here's last night's news. It's uh, the, the clips. No arrests in New York City yet. Uh, here we go. <laughs> and <laughs> we gonna play it. 
Yeah, play it. It is already September 11th on the East Coast, where security yeah. is extra tight tonight as officials investigate the latest terror threat against New York City and Washington, D.C. Randall Pinkston is live at Ground Zero with new information about the possible threat. Randall, new information. Good morning, and uh, right morning. now we're being told by law enforcement authorities that they have not made any arrests, nor have they confirmed the threat to set off car bombs in New York City My or car bomb. Washington, D.C., but they are continuing to investigate. Meanwhile, the stage is set for tomorrow's dedication of the 9-11 memorial here in lower Manhattan. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. This is the news. There's been no arrests and there's <laughs> no new information and there's no confirmation. That's the news. That's the Breaking news. news. That's the news. What kind of news is that? There's no news there. I had it. I, I caught it in a different way. Here's the news report that I caught. Well, sir, the source of the information is not known to us, but officials say it was developed by the CIA overseas. It's, it was developed by the CIA. He's saying it right there. Overseas, yeah, CIA. <laughs> the CIA developed it. Thanks, CIA. Described both as unconfirmed, uh -huh. but also specific and uh -huh. credible. This, by How the way... How does that work? It was the, that's the most Orwellian speak I've ever heard in my life. Unco it was unconfirmed, but... but no, no, well, no, no, no. Play, no. play that last part again, because it's, it's worth listening to. Well, he actually mangles it, because what it, what it was is uh, specific, credible... But unconfirmed. Well, sir, the source of the information is not known to us, but officials say it was developed by the CIA. He's sorry, he's literally saying it was developed by the CIA. I mean, am I hearing this <laughs> yeah, wrong? Yeah, he doesn't say. Yeah, he says basically says the CIA invented it. Yes. Is what the word it means. We should put that in their wiki. Here we go. Overseas, described both as unconfirmed but also specific and credible. Right. So specific, credible, but un unconfirmed. He did it reversed order. How can it be specific and credible? Well, if it's unconfirmed, if it's completely unconfirmed, John, you are a linguist. Is this not? How does it work? That doesn't work. Isn't this the definition? Specific and uh, the credibility would would imply some confirmation. Yeah, but how, my how do you have you don't. those two things existing at the same time? It's a dichotomy meant to confuse your brain, and it works. Bullcrap is what it well, is. Yeah, but it's Orwellian speak. Would you disagree? I would have. I couldn't. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, because they're obviously saying two things that are self-contradictory. Right. Specific, trying credible, to but and scare the public. Oh, and it's working. Well, let's, let's what's the point of putting the CIA? In, I mean, what's the why, why do they want credit so much? I mean, when did the CIA become you know have a have a public relations operation going on? That's that's I'm watching wait, the, wait, wait, uh, the that's Red Eye Show are. with Gut Gut Butt or whatever his name is Gutfeld <laughs> Gut Butt Gut Butt. And he's he's got this guy on who's his, you know his title underneath is ex CIA operative. Yeah, yeah. Kind of gut butt. <laughs> right, let me let me finish this. This this gets better. U.S. officials say tonight the plot was initiated by Al Qaeda's new leader. The new leader, the new CEO. This is the this is like we got a new CEO at Apple, and he's got to make a stand. So that's why uh, th this is all to give this guy credibility. Ayman al-Zawari, who has pledged to avenge the death of Osama bin Laden. It would avenge Officials the death. Officials tell ABC News the plot involved three individuals, including at least one who is a U.S. citizen. Oh! A U.S. citizen! That's uh, a lone wolf, baby! The officials say the plot involves some kind of vehicle bomb, was aimed for some time between September 10th and 12th. Oh, what could that be? What's between 10 and 12? Uh, uh, oh, 11. Uh. With either New York or Washington. I love the, uh, you hear the little, brrr, they have the digital readout on the screen. They got it all produced with like, you know, like a DOS prompt. Brrr, brrr. 
That's the minority report, really. The three reportedly traveled from Pakistan's tribal areas. Oh, we have a little graphic, infographic of a plane flying. At Al-Qaeda's stronghold through Dubai. The stronghold. What is a stronghold? Dubai again. What is a stronghold? A stronghold means it's a lot of guys there and they're holding it with <laughs> the strong- all their might. Hey, if that's a stronghold, let's go there and, and bomb them right now. Send yeah, the drone. Send the dro- well, right, we got predator drones. Yeah, go to the stronghold. What are you waiting for? To the U.S. in mid-August. Uh. Al-Qaeda Central in Afghanistan. This is uh, Richard Clark. In Pakistan. It's probably down to oh, a few hundred people. Oh. But it doesn't take many people oh, yes. to do this kind of attack. It doesn't take many kind of people to do this kind of attack. All right, so this this did, I have to say, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, the president came out with his speech, which we also have to talk about. His job, his, no, no, we have to talk about it briefly. Ugh. His job speech. And just, uh, just as everyone's getting ready to analyze, analyze this piece of crap speech that he did, this waste of time, definitely an hour of my life, I'll never get back again. They, boom, throw out the Al-Qaeda-specific, uh, credible, unconfirmed threat. Everyone's confused. Like, oh, uh, they're not analyzing their speech. They're throwing Valerie Jarrett on to talk about the jobs thing. Whatever they can. And then what does the president do, ladies and gentlemen? It went straight to the floor, straight to Congress. Listen to this from C-SPAN. The chair lays before the House a message. A message! 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 We have a message! To the Congress of the United States. Section 202D of the National Emergencies Act, 50 United States Code 1622D, provides for the automatic termination of a national emergency unless prior to the anniversary date of its declaration the President publishes in the Federal Register and transmits to the Congress a notice stating that the emergency is to continue in effect beyond the anniversary date. Consistent with this provision, I have sent to the Federal Register the enclosed notice stating that the emergency declared with respect to the terrorist attacks on the United States of September 11, 2001, is to continue in effect for an additional year. The terrorist threat that led to the declaration on September 14, 2001, of a national emergency continues. For this reason, I have determined that it is necessary to continue in effect after September 14, 2011, the national emergency with respect to the terrorist threat. Signed, Barack Obama, the White House. (laughs) Thanks for the sound effect. So what this means is that uh, the National Emergencies Act is continued for uh, another year, and uh, according to the Book of Knowledge, at least two constitutional rights are subject to revocation, during this state of emergency, one, the right of habeas corpus and the right to a grand jury for members of the National Guard when in actual service under the Fifth Amendment. So habeas corpus, uh, once again, off the books. And the thing that's weird is that... And remember, people should be reminded what habeas corpus is. It means you have to actually prove crime was yeah, committed. Yeah, you got to like, like prove that you did something <laughs> yeah, before you arrest somebody. There has to be somebody. some evidence of, you know, there has to be, the, there has to be a body. Oh, but that's so annoying. Let's not have no, let's not have any of that. We can't just pick people up if we got that habeas corpus stuff, corpus Christi stuff. That's horrible. But the thing that kind of killed me about this is that the National Emergencies Act has a provision in it, which is which is uh, set specifically uh, to limit uh, this national emergency, this state of emergency, for two years, so that you know a president can't invoke it indefinitely. But this is it's total bullcrap because all the guy has to do is just write a letter, have some douche read it on the floor, and then it's just extended again. 
And, it, and so, it, in other words, this is supposed to have ended in what, 2013? I no, mean, tw- no, 2003. No, uh, no. Uh, in, 2003? In, no, in three days from now. No, I know, but it was supposed to have ended uh, two years oh, to oh, begin with, right? Oh, yeah, no, was, of course, it was supposed to end September 14, 2003, correct. Yeah, three, and so then it was extended. Yeah, it extend, was extended. extended. That's five, six, six, extended, 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 and now it's extended again and extended yeah. again? Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> that habeas corpus Christie thing is annoying. That's all I can oh, tell. Oh, so I see. So oh, I see. So the big liberal Obama yeah. who got in office with all these promises that we're going to do this and that and the yeah. other thing. Yeah. And one of the things that all the Democrats were complaining about all along was the elimination of habeas corpus, among other right, civil rights violations of the American public. Yeah, that had yeah, nothing that to stuff. do with this yeah, terrorism. Yeah, that stuff. Oh yeah, that stuff. So he's actually he's he's Bush he, just like they said. Somebody told me George that, W. You Bush. know, if I voted for uh, McCain, I'd get it. It would be another George Bush all over again, and I voted for McCain, and indeed, you got George got Bush. George Bush all over <laughs> all again. Over again. Uh, Sorry, it's an old joke. By the way, no, that's, that's that joke, joke. Be redone. It's originally a Mark Hatfield joke from the '60s, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, there's nothing like a Mark Hatfield reference on the show, and maybe I'll look it up later. Uh, there's another little thing about where words matter that uh, that has really started to bug me. And, and I heard this. Uh, someone sent me a clip of uh, Lucy Napolitano on the Andrea Mitchell show. Which, is that a talk show, talk radio show? Yeah, I think Andrea Mitchell is a, is a uh, it, well, it could be, but I, I think she, well, she's an ABC course, uh, correspondent. She's a, one of the big shots. She's a stooge. Hold on I think she's married to, isn't she the one married to uh, that ex-Federal uh, Reserve guy? Oh, wait a minute. Will you look that up for a second? Can you, you know. Well, can you uh, consult the book of knowledge? Yeah, I can. Hold on a second. I'll look for a look too. And you know what? You know, was the guy was the guy just before the before Bernanke, the other guy, the the Bernanke. <laughs> Bernanke? <laughs> the pre-Bernanke. <laughs> Pre-Bernanke. Well, you look that up and let me play this little clip of uh, Lucy Napolitano and Andrea Mitchell who's a total stooge. And and, and the word annoyed me so much I looked up the definition. Is there any chatter now as we approach this anniversary? There has have been a lot of talk about plans that bin Laden himself may have had or launched before he was killed. Uh, what should we be concerned about in the days and weeks ahead? Well, um, we know from what was found in the compound uh, that this 10th anniversary was somewhat of an iconic date um, but there are other iconic dates that we uh, that we find during the course of the year and there's well, always listen. some chatter, chatter around it and so chatter. we work with uh, not just within DHS but with uh, all of the other intelligence uh, community to you know track that down and follow track it up it and follow it. Uh, make sure chatter. that we're keeping the American people safe is there increased chatter or anything chatter. right now that should be concerning? Chatter. Well, there's increased chatter. Chatter. Guys, right, so I'm sick and tired of this word chatter. What is chatter? Verb. To talk rapidly or incessantly about trivial matters. Or noun. Incessant trivial talk. In other words, trivial crap. <laughs> means chatter. nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. According to Webster's, Chatter is incessant, trivial talk, which means nothing. It's just bullcrap. Why are we taking that seriously? I mean, words matter in this. She's just saying it. We heard some uh, incessant, trivial talk, and we thought, well, we got to like uh, go spend some money on some more security stuff. 
That's basically to 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 deconstruct what she said. That's exactly what she yeah. said. Okay, thank you, thank you. That's what I was thinking. I, I finally looked the word up. I'm like, what is this chatter crap? Now there was one other thing that happened. Uh, By the way, it's Alan Greenspan. It is Greenspan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there she. Is. So of course she's a shill. She's an elite. She's on the inside. So there's something else that happened. Ooh, little NBC, by the way, not ABC. I was wrong. Uh, the president also, re- he was so busy. He was doing a speech about a bill that has to be passed, which he has to write. Uh, and then he, uh, of course, extended the National Emergencies Act. And, and he issued an executive order. And, and it's, a, uh, it's your a, specialty. It, it is my specialty. And it's it, become the, the we, should, we need a we need a jingle. I do need somebody a jingle. do a jingle about the, the new executive order is uncovered by Adam Curry. Uncovered. All you have to do is look at WhiteHouse.gov. I subscribe to the RSS feed. Unfortunately, that seems to be too hard for our journalists in the mainstream media. Impossible. How do you do that? What is RSS? RSS. What is that? Technology. Executive order developing an integrated strategic counterterrorism communications initiative. And I've highlighted two pieces of this. Uh, identifying and uh, current and emerging trends in extremist communications and communications by Al Qaeda and its affiliates. By the way, they spell Al Qaeda A L Q A apostrophe I D A. Yeah. Which is a whole different group as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah, it's a different group. <laughs> Everyone else spells it with an E, but they do it apostrophe I. Uh, and its affiliates and adherents in order to coordinate and provide thematic guidance to U.S. government communicators on how best to proactively promote the U.S. strategic counterterrorism narrative and policies and to respond to and rebut extremist messaging and narratives when communicating to audiences outside the United States as informed by a wide variety of government and non-government sources, including non-governmental organizations, academic sources, and finished intelligence created by the intelligence community. And we will do so facilitating the use of a wide range of communications technologies, including digital tools, by sharing expertise amongst agencies. Now, so this is a mandate. Uh, It's a big one. It's very long. There's a lot more to this executive order. Of course, you can... uh, Find it's always linked in the show notes, 338.nashownotes.com. But Lucifer Clinton wasted no time in taking immediate action on this. And she's uh, now, um, her uh, techno experts are now officially a department, fully funded. We're good to go. And I pulled a little piece from her speech from uh, yesterday where she announced this. And she actually is so brazenly the hubris of this woman, Lucifer Hillary Clinton. She's telling us exactly how they're doing it. It is beyond belief, and I'd like you to listen to it. It's, it's a little long, this clip, but it really shows you what uh, our happy 9-11 day is actually bringing us. It is a police state, a security grid closing around the slaves of the Gitmo nations, and it is the techno experts infiltrating the, west of the, the rest of the world, starting crap with our tax dollars. One of the first things I did after arriving at the State Department was to appoint a special representative to Muslim communities around the world and to step up our engagement in the most crucial media spaces. We put our people, especially Arabic, Urdu, Dari speakers, on key channels like Al, Al Jazeera. And- oh, really? Uh, did I hear that properly, John? 
Wow. She's putting them on Okay, Al you Jean- win again. This is two in a row. This is clip of the week early in the show. <laughs> no, it, you, I'm just and getting... This, I think both times was Hillary. What is... What, does this... Does, the, the, they are so... Yeah, I think what you really nailed here, what you mentioned a little earlier, they're so self-sure, they're self-assured that they, they can brazenly... Brazenly, that's the word. Brazenly... Yeah. Blow out the, 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 exactly what they're up to. It, this is reminding for football fans out there. This reminds me of the old uh, the old Green Bay Packers back in the sixties, where they would always say, "Oh, they're going to show you what they're going to do, and you can try to defend it, but they're going to do it anyway." <laughs> yeah, which, which is the way you know, which is like, wow, they could show you what they're going to do, and then they do it. You I, can't stop them. I love how you keep the people interested by with the sports reference. That's a, right, that's so, highly yes. appreciated. That's you very good. All right. now, but it gets better. Another is to explain U.S. policies and counter at least some of the widespread misinformation out there. Mm. There was this idea that it was it would be a waste of our time to go on you know channels and go on to websites to mm. you know <laughs> refute and rebut what was being said. Rebut. We're in a fight, mm. and I'm not going to let people say things about us that are not true. God damn it. Excuse me. I did not mean to take the, name, the Lord's name in vain, but wow. That's exactly what she should have added to that. You know, if they want to say things about us that are true, we'll should've. explain that. If they want to say things about us that are true, we'll explain that. <laughs> okay. But to what make does that, that mean? I don't know. Stuff. You're Stuff. a douchebag. Okay, yeah, I am. <laughs> let, let, me, me let me explain why. Let me explain that. Uh, you have a vaginal irrigation sack. And, uh, go on, you know, channels and go on to websites to, you know, refute and rebut what was being said. Look, we're in a fight. And I'm not going to let people say things about us that are not true. You know, if they want to say things about us that are true, we'll explain that. But to make up stuff, to be accused... You're making up stuff! Stop that! You you mean I'm kinder? It's not making up stuff. Accusing us of things that are totally outlandish and outrageous was just unacceptable. Like doing this. Yeah, like bombing people. Like... Yeah, like like infiltrating uh, media channels, the, Twitter. the tweeters. Oh, she's going to tell us all about it, too. This is the only way we will get into the conversation where it matters most, and we have to show up. I sometimes get asked by members of Congress, I saw an American diplomat on X, Y, or Z. Why? It's because that's where people are. Yeah. That's where we need to be. That's where I the, make no apologies. That's where the people are. That's where we need to be. Apologies <laughs> for that. It is with this in mind that we developed and launched the new Center for Strategic Counterterrorism Communications. Okay, write that one down. The Center for Strategic Terrorism Countercommunications, LLC. Wait, wait, wait. What was it again? I think it was the new... Oh, now I lost it. Go back. The new Center for Counterterrorism uh, things. I make no apologies for that. It is with this in mind that we developed and launched the new Center for Strategic Counterterrorism Communications. Did you get that? Which is Strategic tightly focused counterterrorism communications. communications. All right. Now here's what they do. Just on undermining the terrorist propaganda and dissuading potential recruits. The center is housed at the State Department, but is a true whole of government endeavor. It has a mandate uh, from the president. There you go. <laughs> I can do it because the press said I got to do it, and here it is in writing in this executive order. And as part of this effort, a group of tech savvy specialists. Tech savvy specialists. <laughs> I have my tech savvy specialists. I wonder if that includes guys like uh, Vivek Kundra and his talking in binary cobol. <laughs> I think she is having the hollow deck of the of the enterprise. Uh, no, it was the uh, the attack vectors. 
Remember that? No, no, it was uh, uh no, was it, it was attack. Jumps, no, it was jump logic. It was skip logic. It was, it was skip logic attack vectors. I don't remember attack vectors, but okay. Uh, hold on a second. Someone just asked me for that clip the other day. Uh, here it is. It's, it was one of your clips. I'm going to play it for you right now. Uh, it was Vivek Kundra. This, this is worth it. This is, uh, and of course, tech savvy. <laughs> And of course, the tech savvy Vivek Kundra. The very, the very, the very tech savvy Vivek Kundra. Uh, let me see. Did I did I mess that up? Mm. Oh, here it is. Uh, yeah, here it is. Hold on a second. This will be funny. It's Vivek Kundra. Of course, he's no longer there. But uh, oh, yeah, I don't think he's out yet. He quit, but he's not. No, he's gone. He's gone. Is he gone? That, answer that question with a question, which is you know, question how with a question. Feel so comfortable when it comes to voice, right? So if we look at our voice networks, and one of the things that I usually push back on is somehow treating cloud again as this uh, magical special thing. If you look at the government, we already have over 4,000 systems. They're not government-owned and operated. They're being operated by third parties, Lockheed, Raytheon, Boeing, Deloitte, and so forth. I think what we need to be able to do um, is make sure within our current construct that uh, as we move to the cloud, we'll create an environment where... We're becoming more secure. We're trusting and verifying Here right, comes. in terms of what are the security measures. I think there's this false sense of security right now where people feel like they signed some type of document and it's a certification, and we are secure. In this new world, you're going to need to have real-time dashboards telling you ah. what the attack vectors look like <laughs> and what we're doing in terms of security. I control. told you. Dashboard. <laughs> Telling you yeah, what the is when the word dashboard, which is so uh, stupid, comes up. Yeah, but he said attack I, I vectors. Blank out. I missed attack vectors. <laughs> he said attack vectors, telling us what the attack vectors are. Anyway, back to uh, Lucifer and her her uh, wings. By the way, I'd like to see a dashboard that shows me the attack vectors. That would be a pretty nice product. <laughs> you know what? We should just market that. And we should just say, hey, um, you know, we could make billions with the government. Yeah, hi, an we're... attack vector dashboard. <laughs> It, this is our AVD product, which we've been developing for many years. It's the Attack Vector Dashboard. AVD. I like that. We got the, we got, <laughs> we got got the acronym. AVD. All right. So back to the uh, winged monkeys flying out of Hillary's butt, uh, which are uh, tech-savvy experts. It's fluent in Urdu and Arabic. So they're fluent in Urdu and, and Arabic. Yay. That we call the digital outreach team. Our- oh, <laughs> it's the dot. Our digital outreach team. They have dots. They are very, with the technically savvy we call them dot. Did you get the joke? The dot joke? That's why we call them digital outreach team. Contesting online space, media websites and forums where extremists have long spread propaganda and recruited followers. With timely posts, often of independent news reports, this team is working to expose al-Qaeda's and extremist contradictions and abuses. In other words, they're on the tweeters spewing stuff from a propagandistic standpoint. And I doubt that they have a little emblem on their tweeter icon that says U.S. State Department dot team. I doubt that somehow. This is Andy Carvin, by the way. So now that gets better. Including its continuing brutal attacks on Muslim civilians. Mm. This effort is still small, but it is now growing. Take, for example, a short video clip that the team put together earlier this year. First, we hear a recording of al-Qaeda's new leader, Zawahiri, claiming that peaceful action will never bring about change in the Middle East. Then we see footage of protests and celebrations in Egypt. So, if I'm to understand this correctly, 
the uh, defense out uh, the the was it the dot team put together a video of uh, the Al Qaeda CEO saying uh, you know we got to go kill Americans and then they right after that they put uh, footage of rioting people in Egypt is, is does this is this right this seems in, uh, that you're inciting riots am I crazy. I don't, well, I don't know if, if you're crazy or not. That's another issue. <laughs> Thanks. But, uh, Thanks, pal. The, uh, I, I'm not getting what the messaging is here. Well, let's have her explain it to us. The team posted this video on popular websites and stirred up a flurry of responses. Like, Zawahiri has no business with Egypt. We will solve our problems ourselves. By rioting. Wrote one commentator on the website Egypt Forum. I love that. A commentator. It's called a comment. You schmuck. A commentator. Another on Facebook said, those are people no one listens to anymore. Now, we won't change every mind with these tactics, but we know from extremists in our own country that they are recruited by and influenced by websites. Websites. So we're going to do everything we can to be in that fight for their minds. And And then later she talks about her partners. We do this with our partners. Yeah, your partners, Facebook and Twitter. <sighs> well, Facebook in particular. Yeah. Anyway, there's but, your yeah, You can just there's be neutral and let these guys do their own thing. But does any, do, do these people, see, she's so tech savvy <laughs> that she obviously doesn't realize that most of this won't work if it's directed like that. It just doesn't work. The way the way the net works, the way, I mean, the, everyone's so cynical on these, especially these commentators. Uh <laughs> That it's just it's going to be it's going to and once somebody discovers like that phony lesbian that right. was blogging in there where, where it was Iraq yeah. or Syria yeah, or some, some douchebag Egypt someplace yeah, some douchebag and it was some guy in London it was busted and yeah. luckily that didn't get blown out of you know proportion but that could have been embarrassing all this is going to do is embarrass them the United States they don't know what they're there's no way they can do this correctly. Well, not, with that, not with her running the show. Well, no, but I think the point is, is this is what she's telling us. And, of course, there's, yeah, well, a, lot, that's there's, even worse. there's a lot there's, more going on. The fact that she's even talking about it is ridiculous. Yeah, there's a lot going well, on. What is the point of that? To make herself powerful and look cool and look hip. I mean, well, you've seen this a million times, John. Remember when the Internet just started and people would be throwing out all kinds of words and cool and awesome and revolution and... We've got a whole team. We got we've got hackers. We used to before it was, people figured out that there was like a science to uh, engineering software uh, executives. Some who you and I both know. Yeah, we got a whole room full of hackers. They're really cool. Look, they got hair that's left and pink. <laughs> they got they got piercings. She's still stuck in that. She's still stuck in. Hello, Hillary. Nineteen ninety three is calling. We want we want our stupid internet and our our cool techno memes back. This is your government. I'm wearing my slave T-shirt today. What's it say? It's a slave with a, <laughs> with a barcode. This is one of the No Agenda Nation oh, right. T-shirts. It's NoAgendaNation.com. It's my favorite T-shirt. Let's throw a plug in. So, well, yeah. It's, I'm a big-ass slave. Anyway, so all of this is, uh, is kind of weird if you take into account that, uh, and I didn't know this, in the United States Code Title 18,2339B, uh, there is a provision that states... Uh, you, it is unlawful conduct to provide material support or resources oh, to yeah. designated foreign terrorist organizations. And there's this guy uh, from Virginia 
he has an unfortunate name, Jubair Ahmad. I mean, <laughs> dude, strike. Uh, he was charged... Another with, good reason to change your name to Alex Smith. <laughs> something or other. He was charged with providing, quote, material support to an officially designated terrorist organization, the Pakistani group known as Lashakar-e-Taiba, otherwise LET, L-E-T. Yeah, that's one of the two or three of the worst uh, groups in Pakistan. So what did this guy do? Did he send money or weapons to LET? No. Was he scouting out targets for the group? No. He uploaded a video to YouTube that showed so-called jihadi martyrs and armored trucks exploding after having been hit by improvised explosive devices. So, screw that. So he sent. So he posted a, a, a video, a, a video, a video on YouTube. Yeah, and they threw him in jail. Yeah, uh, with no habeas corpus. And it's all under United States Code Title 18, uh, 2339B, for providing material support or resources. Because I guess that's material support. It's like it, like if you're cheering someone on at a football game, you, that's support. And this is not, this is not America. Ooh. It's crazy. So we're not far off. At least I'm not far off. Yeah, you're, you're, well, I, I'm, I, I hate these terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. Especially those let guys. Those let guys are no those good. Those let guys are bad. Yeah, let it be. By the way, it's capital L, underscore, uh, uh, small e, capital T, let. Let. So anyway, so it's, uh, this, it's screwed up. It's well, really, you know, they, you know, it, it, you have to wonder, you know, you take that poor schmuck who posted the YouTube video, and now he's in, got his tit in the ringer, to say the least. You'd think that in a, in, a, in, a, in a advanced society that all you really have to do is just knock on his door and say, hey, bud, hey, yo. we're going to throw you in jail if you keep this up. This is bull crap. And then leave. And you'll, you'll never hear from him again. He won't do anything. No. This is like the difference between, between law, enforcement and, law enforcement and policing. I mean, if you, you know, half the time, you know, what, what is the point of us setting up stings on some sleazeball who would never commit a crime in a million years, but you set him up, talk him into it, yeah. and then, then he does it, and then you arrest him. Yeah. Why don't you just, if you, if you see a guy trending that way, why don't you go up and police the guy and say, hey. Hey, stop that. Do, stop that. Stop don't this, do that, because yeah. if you do that, you're going to get in big trouble. You're going to get thrown in jail. You're going to be in Gitmo. Yeah. And he says, oh, okay, I'll never do it again. Well, that, That's what would happen. Yeah, but but no, no, we don't do that. We encourage him, encourage the guy to do it, and, <laughs> and then you arrest him and throw him in Gitmo. Well, that's the okay, whole point. That, so we have, that's the United States do. of America has the most prisoners in the world slaves. incarcerated, and we have the most per capita incarcerated, and then they were using them as slave labor. Slaves. Yeah. This is terrible. We shouldn't be, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. I, we don't need slave labor. I thought you had a very good point on Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged the other day. You said that uh, we could significantly improve our job numbers if we just counted all the slaves in jail that are working. <laughs> right. said, yeah. we, got three, we just added three million jobs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ten so, cents a day. So, uh, um, and by the way, I was going to say something about that. Um, oh, yeah. It's so easy for them to find the guy who uploaded this YouTube video Yet, apparently, it's impossible to find out which hackers broke into NBC's Twitter address 
and said uh, the ground zero is being attacked, a plane is flying into it. And the reason why is because it wasn't hacked into. This is a part of a systematic psychological warfare uh, attack against the American people. Otherwise, I mean, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to find these script kiddies. They can find this douchebag. I mean, tell me, I'm, uh, excuse me. I could be on uh, Hillary Clinton's techno-savvy expert team. I do know a thing or two about the Internet. And if you, li- if you really have this group of script kiddies, as they call themselves, who are doing this, it's not that hard to track them down. I mean, you've, gotta be, you've really got to be good to be untrackable when you're doing something like that. But it's not true. It's just not true. Why do they never nab anybody? Why does LulzSec still have their, their Twitter address still working? Why is their website still up? Because it's, it's, it's coming from the State Department. This is bull. This is total psychological warfare. And prove me otherwise. Well, I think it's hilarious that Hillary comes out and admits to all this activity. And she's looking pretty beat, too. Uh, she's like wearing dog. herself out. I mean, dog. compare her to Lucy. Lucy looks like she's having the time of her life. <laughs> I'd love to see her in her in her in her p- private time. Uh, you know, private just at privately. I have a prediction for Lucy. Okay, go. I'm putting it in the book too. Yeah, good. She's going to be the CEO of a major U.S. corporation. The only thing she's actually doing is building this DHS up to such an extreme that she can say that she's managed. Yeah, she's managing it. Absolutely. That's all she's doing. Managing a company this big. And so she could. She now is qualified to be the CEO of GM. And so uh, she uh, can no, really- no, no, no. Yahoo. Ooh, that would be a good one. I mean, catch. have you ever seen Meg Whitman and Lucy Napolitano in the same picture? <laughs> no. Well, anyway, she she's got she's got the she's on the fast track to become a billionaire. Oh yeah. So while everyone uh, in the conspiracy zone, and uh, again, I was a bit disappointed by some of our listeners uh, sending us these reports that uh, PBS censored the president's gaffe about uh, Lincoln starting the Republican Party, and I'm sure you got this email as well, John. I have the I, I didn't get one of those. <laughs> Right. You were even copied on a few that were sent to me. Oh, so okay. Shut up. Um, I have the clip of Lincoln, by the way. All right. So we play, we'll play the clip, and then I just want to say, uh, say something about that. But there's always been another thread running throughout our history. A belief that we're all connected. And that there's some things we can only do together. Together. As a nation. Together. We all remember Abraham Lincoln as the leader who saved our union. Founder of the Republican Party. But in the middle of a civil war, he was also a leader who looked to the future. So this this became a a big thing on Drudge Report because what apparently happened is PBS omitted this from their transcript. And I got this this message pretty quickly, and I immediately went to the PBS site, and it was not omitted. So whether they changed it... This is like one of those hoaxes. They omitted it, they omitted it, no one ever looks. Yeah, well, that's the first thing I do is I go and take a look at it. And yeah, people should all do that, by the way. Yeah. Why are you doing it? And so only American Thinker, the guys who apparently discovered it, had a screenshot. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry. This, to me, is another uh, PSYOPs operation just to distract you from the fact that this was a total bullcrap speech about a, a jobs bill that is supposed to be passed right now that he has not even written yet. There's I mean, not a word written down. I know that's the irony of this whole stupid thing. Can I mention something that's kind of humorous about the Lincoln reference? Yeah. 
Huckabee, a number of years, I think during the last Republican convention, actually made the same gaffe. Oh, really? And he was called out on it in Time Magazine by guess who? Jay Carney. <laughs> really? Well, it's, all, this, it's all the same club. It's a bunch of bull crap. But you're right. This is a, this is a nothing to see here moment. Oh, hold on a second. We should definitely play that. Go! Hey. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Hey, look, look at, at that. that. Um, that was very contrived. It wasn't very interesting. So uh, Valerie Jarrett, you know, the person I hate the most. Now, I have an actual hatred for this woman because... Apparently you do. I, oh, I, oh. It's she, like I, I completely forget that she exists until you keep bringing her up. Well, she was on every single channel after, right after this. Well, oh, the president's real busy because we have this uh, specific... Well, then why is she on the channel? What does she do that she would be on a, on a TV sh- station at all? Mm. What is she? What is her she's job? A, she's a slumlord. She uh, she owns projects in Chicago, and she is uh, the advisor to the president. She has some like bullcrap title, and she's on the second floor of the West Wing. Uh, but she's his handler, and if you watch, you'll always see it's the president, the vice president, and Valerie Jarrett. He does not go anywhere without her because she is his mind controlling handler. She takes care. of She's like Barack. Time to pee. Okay, Valerie. <laughs> Barack. Time to watch some TV. Okay, Valerie. <laughs> So she's the spokes hole now all of a sudden, and she's want to reach out and slap her. So she goes on Rachel Maddow, Ugh. and it, 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 I threw up in my mouth. Absolutely. There's nothing more important to the president right now than getting our economy going, putting people back to work, putting a little extra pot money in the pockets of folks who are struggling. Uh, as- Did you hear that? She said pot. She stumbled and she said, pot. She's thinking, I need, God, I, I need to smoke a joint. The president would, wants to put some pot. She wants to smoke a joint with Rachel. <laughs> Want to put some pot in everybody's, I mean, uh, money in everyone's Absolutely. pocket. There's nothing more important to the president right now than getting our economy going, putting people back to work, putting a little extra pot money in the pot. <laughs> Come on. She's thinking pot. She's obviously thinking pot. Why would you say pot? Because she wants Unless to Unless it's on your mind. She, like, I can't you wait. Just don't say pot. I can't wait to, to lie next to Rachel Maddow and smoke some pot. <laughs> That's what she's thinking. By the way, pot in uh, Dutch uh, is a slang term for lesbian. Interestingly enough, as a side note, pockets of folks who are struggling uh, as folks. they face this tough, tough economic time. And I think the message that he made very clear tonight is the re- the Congress should pass this plan and they should do it right this minute. OK, pass this plan. Pass it right this minute, which I think the president said eight million times. Pass yeah, this pass plan. It now. Pass, pass it now. Pass it now. Pass, it now. pass, pass what? what? Well, so I'll let her ramble for a second. Then I'll fast forward because it just I'm throwing up. But you have to hear about her dream and that. It's fully paid for. Fully paid. Uh, it is bipartisan in nature. Uh, these are there are provisions in here that both Democrats and Republicans have supported before, and there's no reason why we can't move forward right this right minute. now. Uh, right? There, yeah, there is a reason. It hasn't been written yet. There are benefits in here for small business. There are opportunities for construction. In fact, Rachel, I was thinking about you this morning when I <laughs> when I woke up. I was thinking about you this morning. I was touching myself. Woke up. I turned on the TV and I saw the. Con- and I thought I finally could smoke some pot with. Rachel commercial that you have standing in front of a bridge and you're saying that you know the private sector can't do everything there are certain things that uh, Americans expect their government to do our infrastructure is vitally important putting people back to work what 
That's a meme. Oh, by yeah, the way. Oh, it's yeah. an ongoing meme about oh, the yeah. government. Americans expect the government to do certain things. Oh, oh, and this values thing instead of rights, it comes back to it's crazy. These memes. With construction is important. Our roads, our bridges, our sewers, our waterways, our dams. This is what makes our country so special. And as we try to compete in this global marketplace, have you ever been to Spain? You want to see some really good roads? Go to Spain. You want to see some good bridges? Go to France. Yeah, you want to see some crap? Go drive on I-95. What is your road, John, the one you hate? 80. 80. And by the I-80. way, they've, they've paved half of it now, oh, so it's oh, getting... Yeah, the I won't be able to moan and groan about potholes much longer. So she rambles on. We need to rebuild our infrastructure. We need to, I bank. to rebuild our schools. We need schools to make sure blah, that blah, teachers... Blah, blah, and blah. So now let's fast forward. with the individual committee chairman, or is he planning to meet with the individual committee chairman? Is he planning on doing a full court press? Hold on, i got to go back a little. I went a little too far. Across the country, companies are discriminating against people who've been out of work for a long time. So now remember... We have to pass this bill right now, right now, right now. This bill has a very important provision where if you've been out of the work for over six months, we'll give a company a Out a of the work? Out of the Did work. say out of the work? When you're smoking the pot, you can get out of the work. You know, it's how it happens. When you've been out of the work. She's an idiot. She's a total idiot. But if they will hire you so that we can get the long-term employed back to work with the skills that they need. And so there's no reason why we can't move forward decisively and promptly. Now. The president is going to draft the legislation. Make the job a little easier for Congress and send it up there next week. And next Ra- week. What? And Rachel goes next week? <laughs> next. Does? Yes, yes, next week. The president. Next week. Does that mean that the president has a plan for passage here? <laughs> has he met with the individual committee chairman? Or is he planning to meet with the individual committee chairman? She's trying to cover it up now. She's like, my God, it's not even written. Next week? Uh, uh, the, the, is he going to yeah. like talk Good to everybody? Work, Rachel, instead of calling her out. Yeah, no, of course not. I mean, Rachel Maddow is the worst person in the world. Douchebag. I hit her with a douchebag. So, yeah, I mean, it's so obvious because she, she actually, next week? Uh, uh, does the president, is he going to talk to everyone? Under pass here? it now, pass it now, pass it now, pass it now if it's not even written. Exactly. All right, so then to wind up, and then I want to thank some producers. So the speech that no one watched, and again, it's what we do so you don't have to, is the president's uh, address to the nation. He does it every single day, every single weekend. Uh, He talks to the nation. And I have titled this particular clip, and it is saved in the archives, 338.nashownotes.com, as the presidential meme fest. We will have to stop this clip numerous times. It's only a section of uh, the address of course, it's all about uh, 9-11 and uh, a very serious president here. Very serious. Our extraordinary 9-11 generation. The 9-11 generation. This is like the Pepsi generation, John. Right off the bat, I'm like, what? The 9-11 generation. Your son and your daughter are officially part of the 9-11 generation. Isn't that nice to be called that? Unbelievable. At the same time, Even as we reflect on a difficult decade, we must look forward. Another nice alliteration. Difficult decade. Made difficult by who? (laughs) To the future we will build together. That includes staying strong and confident in the face of any threat. And thanks to the tireless efforts of our military personnel and our intelligence, law enforcement, and homeland security professionals, there should be no doubt. Today, America is stronger and Al-Qaeda is on the path to defeat. Okay, the path to defeat. So, And Al-Qaeda's almost dead. We've taken the fight to Al-Qaeda like never before. What? 
Have huh? Been, like never what? Oh, he's, I think he's going to brag. I, I think he's actually going to brag. Over the past two and a half years, more senior Al-Qaeda leaders have been eliminated than at any time since 9-11. Booyah! Booyah, bitches! I smacked them bitches down. More than George Bush. More than George Bush. I killed more of them. I killed more. And thanks to the remarkable courage and precision of our forces, we finally delivered justice to Osama bin Laden. Uh, no, we didn't. We killed him. <laughs> That's not justice. <laughs> we killed him. At least you say you killed him. Well, so, me, yeah. but that choice of words is is odd. We delivered justice. It's like saying justice as a is it what is it the slogan at the end of a barrel at the end of a smoking barrel. That's justice. Yeah. That's the American way. F yeah, Barack. We've strengthened the partnerships and tools we need to prevail in this war against Al Qaeda. Tools. Working closer with allies and partners, reforming intelligence to better detect and disrupt plots, mm. investing in our special forces so terrorists have no safe haven. Mm. We're constantly working to improve the security of our homeland as well. Homeland. How about country? Why did he say homeland? This is irritating to me. Our homeland. No, it's it's our country. It's the United States. I don't think anywhere in the Constitution they talk about homeland. Call it what it is, please. You're annoying me. At our airports, ports, and borders, enhancing aviation security and screening, increasing support for our first responders, and working closer than ever with states, cities, and communities. A decade after 9-11, it's clear for all the world to see. The terrorists who attacked us that September morning are no match for the character of our people, the resilience of our nation, or the endurance of our values. Yeah. They ah! The endurance of our values? Mm, okay, careful with the values thing. You better not bring it up again. Want to terrorize us? But as Americans, we refuse to live in fear. <laughs> Except uh, from uh, the... Except from the government the making government, us fearful. Yeah, I'm very afraid. You're doing nothing but making us afraid, douche. Yes, we face a determined foe, and make no mistake, they will keep trying to hit us again. Make no mistake. They will keep trying to hit us again. Notice the word hit. It is not attack. It uses the word hit, which I think is very significant. Why? Because hit deter it's like hitting the World Trade Centers. It's like like it, it brings up images. The word hit is different than attack. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it's significant. But it could be. I mean, these things are very carefully chosen. Oh, no kidding. This this is a great one. Going again this weekend. We remain vigilant. Vigilant. We're doing everything in our power to protect our people. Oh, no everything in our power. No matter what comes our way, as a resilient nation, we will carry on. They want to draw us into endless wars. Sapping our strength and confidence as a nation. And they did. <laughs> and, no, and they succeeded. But no, I think Barack has a point to make. But even as we put relentless pressure on Al-Qaeda, we're ending the war in Iraq <laughs> and beginning to bring our troops home from Afghanistan. <laughs> how, how can he say, the guy must be a bot. How can he sit there and say that with a straight face? By the way, he sounds like a gangster, as J.C. Uh, Buzzkill Jr. points out, hit also oh, good point. Oh, good one. Buzzkill Jr., good one. Because after a hard decade of war, it is time for nation building here at home. Now, hold on a second. It's time for, he says, it's time for nation building here at home. In other words, we've been nation building over there. Which is exactly what everyone says we're not doing. Well, I've got a little piece about that after we do our donor section or our producer segment. Very interesting uh, little thing I came up with. All right, then let's uh, let's thank some producers, and uh, if you want to hear the rest of the clip, uh, and you should always be listening to our president's address. Uh, I don't know how much <laughs> of we can take, because we also have a couple other clips from this guy. Oh, so 
Oh, by the way, oh, yeah, well, do you want to get to the New York Times segment? We'll talk about the, right, 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 right. his running again. All right. Uh, but we do have some executive producers we want to thank profusely because we have a, a good group of them today, including, and the, one, the I have to give the Sir David Hoffman kudos. I didn't get a note from him, but I maybe he sent something. But he did send us as kind of a standalone donation. Fantastic. That, yeah, it's a great one. Nine eleven thirty three. I mean, hello. Could it be any better than that? That and uh, da- Sir David, uh, that was one of the the most amusing donations we've ever received. Ever, Fantastic, ever. It's, yes. uh, and he heads the list for. Uh, it's, 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 Sir, it's Sir David Hoffman. I think he already was a knight. I believe. No, he is a knight. Yeah, but he's uh, been a knight. But uh, no, no, no. You know, this this is a this is a knight to my heart. It's like no, yeah, no, just a, like a, boom. Here you go, nine eleven thirty three. You know what I'm saying? No note needed. Eric Gray, uh, who will be a knight, Fairbanks, Alaska, to complete uh, my knighthood in honor of the memory of my. Uh, oops, and of course, of my change. of my dog. Hold on, I gotta let me. I'm gonna fix the spreadsheet so I can read it. Okay. Ah, of my dog, my best friend for nine years. Poor guy. Five fifty-five, fifty-five. You know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. I'm interviewing the author. It's a, be- it's a New York Times bestseller. Um, it's uh, the dogs. Oh crap! What the hell was it? It's like. Come on, John, help me. It's the best. It's a bestseller. Uh, <laughs> There's a million bestsellers. Let me help you, Mickey. Could you grab me that book for a second? That's on the on the couch. The it's dog. The, the dog. Book? I don't know. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Because it's a really beautiful book. I'm halfway through it, and and it's on about dogs? yes. It's written from a dog's perspective. I was a dog. I don't know. My last book written from a dog's perspective was Bulgakov's Heart of a Dog, a fantastic classic written by the great Russian novelist. Here it is. Thank you. I love you, darling. A Dog's Purpose. That's what it is by Bruce Cameron. Mm. And it's it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a novel for humans. If you have had a dog, if you have a dog, if you love dogs, and also if you dislike cats, this is the book for you. <laughs> it's very, dogs are very funny have, about cats. Put it on our book list for the No Agenda Well, book I'll have book. the, uh, I'm doing the interview on Wednesday with uh, with the guy. Thank you, darling. It's so sweet. Good. <clears throat> Christian Winter, Black Knight, Black Knight McTank <clears throat> in Venice, California. Gentlemen, in homage to Bill and Ted, <laughs> gave us... 369, get 60, it? 69, 69, dude. dude. <laughs> I hereby anchor the 369 Club. That would be 369er to you. Which will be a club eventually it's when a, we get the 369. It, well, think about what goes on in the Trois Soissons Neuf. Menage Trois. That's actually a pretty interesting number mm-hmm. all around. Yeah, it is. And maybe and start a nine, uh, right? trend for variety show numbers. Also, <laughs> a variety show. FaridZakariaSucks.com. <laughs> He's got that. That one we can pass around. Is it, I, I didn't get that one. That's awesome. FaridZakariaSucks.com. <laughs> ah, you made my day, man. That's, that's uh, great. He says, be excellent to each other and party on. Party on, dude. Paul 12, Curry Dvorak 16. Adios, mofos, he says. Uh, and then Adios, we have... Mofo. Ba... How would you pronounce this? Brunix? Bas Brunix? Bas? In Belgium? Bas Brunix. Bas Brunix in Belgium. A 345.67. There you go. In. Thank you. I want to thank him for that. And I, I love the Belgians. <laughs> uh, no, no. If you hate them, they seem to send us say, support. I know they say, well, I, I tried that with the Indians, but the Indians are so cheap, they won't send us money no matter what you do. <laughs> 
Yeah, Gary Blatt, uh, Wayne, Pennsylvania. And this has something to do with, I don't want to get into it. Wayne, Pennsylvania, 330, uh, 338, which is uh, today's show. In the morning, here's uh, my donation for the 338 Club. Thanks for the wonderful program. You perform, perform a great service for everyone. Uh, I would like to have some karma for my wife's research and her new books that are being released early next year. Okay. Hand that out right away. You've got karma. Books are good. Books are good. Another member of the 338 Club, Todd Cochran and uh, Coppolai. Oh, oh, really? Todd Cochran? He's uh, from Geek News Central, isn't he? Well, he says he's from uh, in Coppelli or Coppelli. He, um, he effectively, I think, is probably or was certainly a, a Mevio competitor with uh, his podcast network. That's very nice. He's checking in with the... Uh, does he live in Hawaii? Yes, he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. That, that's that's Yeah. Cool. Uh, Adam and John have been listening to your show for quite a while now and figured it was time for to pony up to the bar and make my first donation to the road to knighthood. One thing for sure is I need a complete de-douching. Oh, I'll give that to you, man. Here we go. You've been de-douched. Absolutely. He also wants to challenge his fellow podcasters to get their wallets out and donate to the show, for God's sake. <laughs> I want to congratulate you both on what it remains a sustainable, user-supported show that is ad-free. I hope the audience appreciates the freedom that comes with not being beholden holden to a douchebag advertiser my personal show geek news central at geeknewscentral.com is 90 percent ad supported and believe me when it comes to my own headaches and annoyances or it contributes to my own headaches and annoyances both you as both you know well keeping the advertisers happy as you would know more than me adam Mm. is nearly a full-time job in itself And and it makes your mouth hurt my sales manager at Raw Voice is always pulling the hair, pulling hair out, keeping the advertisers happy. Most do not realize that most ad planners buyers are in their twenties, mid twenties, and have a huge control freak mentality over the multi million dollar budgets. And sometimes that power goes to their heads. Now this is absolutely just, true, and you know, you know no, how it's absolutely true. I have story. I mean, story. You know how it usually works. Here's how it works. Um, yeah, I'm going to place this on the network that will get me tickets to the Knicks. It's, it's, it's total douchebaggery. The whole system is a scam. It's unbelievably douchebaggery. I took a ride on when I was riding for Forbes on the big, uh, they have a big yacht. Yeah. The Highlander. Yeah. And I, and I went on this thing, to, and it was, it, was to, it was to kiss the asses of these media buyers in New York City, who were the worst. They're the all media, in their man. mid-20s. None of them read any of the magazines. They didn't know who the hell I was or why I was even there. They don't even know what the brands are that they represent. They don't care. No, and they just they do these ad buys depending on how much free shit they get. Exactly. So And so the little guy, like uh, Todd with his raw voice, who has a, you know, has a nice little uh, stable of podcasts, I don't know if it's literally has a nice stable of podcasts. You know, he doesn't have the budget. He, uh, let me think. I don't think he has a yacht. So who is who is the douchebag uh, uh, 9-11 generation uh, media buyer going to spend his or her money on? Let me think. Um, maybe I'll go with the yacht guy. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, because I get another ride on the yacht. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they actually feel like they have to suck up to you a little bit. And who's that guy? He writes for them. Well, I want to be on the yacht again. So. I'll be nice to And her. by the way, the yacht is worth being on. <laughs> what a nice ride. Yeah, I'll bet. 
I, and it has its own chef, and the food was delicious anyway. Did you I wish more listeners to support the shows that they listen to the way they support your show. I know the massive amount of show prep you guys both must do to prepare for each episode, which is a fact. And this small donation is worth every penny of enjoyment I have gotten from listening to the information you share, which gives one a lot of new perspectives on the world which we live in. Adam, your status as a podfather is eternal, and because you're with, uh, because of your vision on what podcasting could be and what it has become – Hundreds of millions of people live, uh, lives have been changed, I'm sorry, by their ability to consume content like this show and mine. Wow. He goes on. Hey, uh, uh, can I ask you a question? with another donation, he says. That's, that's so kind. Um, John, did you poop on that yacht? Did I poop? On the yacht. No, you know, not you mention it. I didn't even go to the head. I should have. Yeah, you're right. You should. Oh, if you're on someone. By the right. way, that yacht has a wine cellar. <laughs> did you poop in the wine cellar? <laughs> No, I didn't get in the wine cellar. It was locked. It's a very wet wine cellar. <laughs> it's like, keep Dvorak out of the wine cellar, okay? Let anybody in that thing. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. Okay, Sarah, San Diego, California. Three. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, you know, three-star restaurants in France tend to be, you know, people don't understand that the experience of a three-star restaurant in France includes the bathroom. And so and <laughs> it's, part of the, yeah, it's part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. It's total. And you go to some of these bathrooms in these restaurants, you go, oh, my God, what a bathroom. I remember pooping on uh, the MGM Grand Air that flew between uh, New York and Los Angeles. Remember was that? Was it a gold pooper? Totally. The whole thing was gold. Wow. Like, I'm pooping on a gold I, toilet I, I in the air. I irked that I didn't ever get to take that ride. Oh, I took it. I, I, did you ever fly Concorde? No, I missed that I flew, too. I flew that th- four times. Did you poop on it? Hell yeah. <laughs> you four times? Me? Why what would be the point? Let me tell you, though. The, uh, it was not a, not a luxurious poop. The the Concorde was very uncomfortable. It's like a little tube. I could barely stand up in the entire plane, and the seats are very narrow. And they, although the leg room is nice, and there's no movie, or there was no movie because there wasn't enough time to start the movie. So basically, you just sat there getting warm because at a certain point, about two hours into it, uh, the fuel is depleted, and the fuel is actually was actually used. So talking the past tense to cool the aircraft down, which extends in flight. It actually grows. And to top it off, I had a drunk Liza Minnelli behind me chattering the whole way. It was annoying. Life's tough. Yeah, at least I didn't pay for it. Sarah, <laughs> uh, San Diego, California, 33333. Finally hunkering down and donating to the show. I've been a listener for over two years, thanks to my ex-lover. Ooh. Still friend and listener, Baby Bear. Yeah. Please call him out as a douchebag. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Oops, sir. there we go. Douchebag. At any rate, I heard John mention that not many people donate to show number 333, which is basically ridiculous considering that it is one of the best shows ever. It was a good show. That 333 show, people should go back and download it. Was that a B? A what? Was it a solid B? It was a, I think we gave it a solid B afterwards. I thought we enjoy, I, I recall us enjoying actually after, we do a, after, people should know that after the show we do a, uh, a post-mortem as they call it in the publishing business. Here's how it works. And we kind of grade the show and Here's how it, it rarely gets a B. It's like, well, that was okay. Yeah, I think we did okay. Kind of sucked. Yeah, it actually kind of <laughs> sucked. Yeah. Get, we're like the we're Muppets guys. Like, you know, actually it sucked a whole lot. Yeah. How's the art? God, we got no art. Uh, what are we going to call this thing? I got some ideas. I got some ideas. Hey, by the way, what's Ron doing? I don't know. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. I laughed my face off, she says. <laughs> so awesome. So here's 333 for every episode before and after. Big fan always. Thank you, And uh, we have one, two, three, four actually associate executive producers, including Eric Shell. Michelle or Herschel. This Herschel. has got this is screwed up by the t- 
type font. So Eric yeah. sent us another note. 222.22 is in, says Melrose, I guess. John, Sir John Smith in St. Petersburg, Florida, 200 bucks. He says they normally would have some smart-ass remark to make something like be a donor, not a boner, but I'm just too depressed today. Today not only marks the day over 3,000 Americans died, but tomorrow will mark the day all of us become suspects. I got it. I got into an argument with the girlfriend over the weekend because I was explaining to her daughter that she was growing up in the wrong America. (laughs) I know we're not supposed to do that. It's scary that we're coming up on 10 years of this and we're approaching an entire generation, 9-11 generation, who has grown up with the undeclared wars for the benefit of corporations, torture, naked body scanners, and an expanded police state. For that reason, no agenda is more important than ever, not only to give to the show, but to expose the show... to expose the show to more people. Another 10 years of this new American, we're going to have vote. By the way, we'll be lucky to be on the air yeah. we're going, if it continues. We're going to have voters who have grown up thinking this new America is okay. I know we have some Ron Paul supporters. I'm also giving to Ron Paul and has affected my no agenda donations. But please do not forget John and Adam over the next 12 months. Thanks, guys. Hope to deliver a 3K night, uh, yeah, third, third night, night to you soon. And that's Sir John Smith that's, in St. Petersburg, That's so incredibly nice. And, and just a tip to uh, Sir John, uh, maybe not refer to her as the girlfriend. Chicks don't like that. Just saying. The girlfriend. Well, he's probably irked. Why don't you give him a, a, a karma? He needs it. He absolutely, yeah. For, for chick stuff. Yeah, I hear you. You've got karma. And finally, uh, Austin Voss in Calgary, Alberta, and Todd Montgomery in Morgantown, West Virginia, $200 each. And that'll wrap up our uh, very generous uh, producer segment today. We want to thank every each and every one of them. Make sure you go to noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, or noagendanation.com to uh, continue. You helping us out for the org slash NA. Sorry, I stepped on you. Didn't it's okay. It. It's Did, good. Didn't mean to do that. And of course, I'll be in Brazil next week, so the Thursday show could be moved to. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. To what? I don't know. I have to get there and see if I can get a connection and what my time schedule is going to look like. Might be Wednesday night, maybe, or. Uh, I, I'm know. having my uh, my dental work done Wednesday. So it's Thursday, this the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we don't actually, so in other words, you haven't actually figured out the times yet because you're just too lazy to do it? or you're- No, because I don't know what, what, I won't know until I get there what my situation is going to be. Right, but you do know when you're arriving, and we could potentially do the yeah, show I'm, Thursday Yeah, I'm arriving morning. tomorrow, so what? you want to do it the show tomorrow? I don't think no. so. No, what's the uh, time difference? I think the time is, is this is I think it's New York plus one. Oh really? So it'd be one o'clock. I I would be at one o'clock and you'd be at the normal time. Oh really? Well, that's great. No, it is great. Except if I might have a plane to, to catch or something. I don't know. We'll, do we'll, we'll work it out. It will, there'll be people follow me Devor uh, at the real Devorak on Twitter. I'll put a note up. Okay, good. Um. Thank you to the following. Uh, thank you to people for our uh, PR initiatives. Once again, some good stuff here. A couple of great domain name forwards. Crackpot and Buzzkill 2016.com. Now forwarding to the noagendashow.com website. Uh, following along with that, a couple of uh, suggestions. Uh, one of our producers, Vincent from Limerick, Ireland, says, I think you should run in the Irish presidential elections coming up in October <laughs> as a dry run for 2016. Uh, you don't have to be Irish, turns out. To uh, become the uh, president of Ireland, um, and we would have the power to refuse the dissolution of Parliament, 
uh, refer legislation to Supreme Court to test the constitutionality of legislation, and hang out in tents and bunga bunga parties with world leaders. <laughs> You know the you know what the bunga bunga reference is, don't you? No, I don't know it. Tell oh, me. that's that's the Berlusconi thing. Berlusconi's uh, all of Italy's talking about is bunga bunga parties. It's like his <laughs> sex parties. It's called the bunga bunga parties. Really? Yeah. So we could hang out in tents and bunga bunga parties with world leaders. I think we have a winning idea. So I, uh, I, I'm liking it. <laughs> I'm all for it. That is totally rocking. Um, and uh, Bob Major says, um, if you aren't steeped in the baseball tradition, you'll want to bone up on your pitching skills because every president since Taft, with the exception of Jimmy Carter, threw out at least one ceremonial first ball or pitch. And I think I'm going to defer to my vice president uh, for that uh, for in 2016. I can when, throw a fastball. Yeah, when we sweep it. And I sure don't throw like Obama. It throws <laughs> like a girl. Like a girl. NationalPublicPodcast.com. Great one. I like that. MPP, now forwarding to NoAgendaShow.com. DisturbedCitizenry.com. Uh, here's a fun one. When you read it, you understand that ALCAPWN and ALCAPWND, Al Capone and Al Capone.com. Uh, and some one I can't believe was available, the KeystonePipeline.com, which is now forwarding to our show. Fantastic. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? And then uh, finally, it uh, looks like we can uh, start a show on Leo's network as we now officially own the uh, the internet web presence, thisweekinsquirrel.com. I think that could be a pretty fun show. And uh, thanks to, uh, hmm, i got to see who wrote this. Uh, this was a nice PR uh, move by uh, Nick Brown who wrote a blog post on biggovernment.com, which I think gets a lot of traffic. Isn't that the Andrew Douchebag uh, site? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Big Government. That's the, the guy who's always, like, uh, busting... Uh, <laughs> no, Breitbart. Bre- yeah, Breitbart. That's the guy. Yeah, it's right. Breitbart, but they gave us credit. Now, yeah, like yeah. Douchebag no. Rush Limbaugh. No, so it's uh, Department of Homeland Security, no return to pre-9-11 freedom ever. And it goes down here. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So what we take from this is the from it, from it is this Janet Napolitano audio click to play telling us that we will never again have pre 911 freedom in the United States. The clip comes from the No Agenda podcast in which Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak dissect the modern media message and he actually put this little clip in from uh, from our show which I thought was uh, Okay, well, I've got decent. I've got the if you know the other thing was the clip of the day I got one. Oh. So this is a very, uh, this is a g- interesting question and Napolitano answering the question about, you know, what can happen, what, what's going to be the, f- what's the future going to be like. This is Judge Napolitano, not, very, uh, not no, Lucy. This is, no, this is, this is uh, Janet, uh, Lucy. Oh, it's Lucy. Oh. This is Lucy. T- can you imagine someone just checking this out for the first time? They're like, <laughs> and hearing the Lucy <laughs> meme. <laughs> <laughs> like it is. I mean, the, the clip sounds like uh, yeah, because it right. Well, she but, sounds she sounds like Judge, but it's so, Lucy. So this is going to be. She's right. gonna have, I come across like a real hater, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Elaborate question, and she's going to tell you the answer. Real. Thank you very much. Um, since nine eleven, as you mentioned, you've seen an expansion of the government powers to protect uh, American citizens from the threat of terrorism, as well as an expansion of bureaucracy whether that be through the FISA amendments or the Patriot Act. Could you sketch out a scenario when you think the federal government would not need some of those extraordinary powers and a scenario when, in some cases, the United States could return to a pre-9-11 footing in terms of the powers of the U.S. government? No. (laughs) People are laughing. 
Oh my goodness! That wasn't edited. That's literally her answer. That was exact. In fact, I was thinking it because it was such a long pause. I was thinking of clipping that out, but I decided to leave it completely unedited. So that's it. No, forget about it. That this, it's it. We're we're here for the long haul. Mr. Random Curry, open the door, Mrs. Curry. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta go. So that was a pretty cool uh, PR move. So I, like I didn't realize they ran the whole thing. I thought they just took it from the show no, notes. And no, no, that's, that's, what, that's what made it so awesome. Because now you get a taste, a little, uh, a little lick of the show. So that that helps. I think that's great. Yeah, we need more of that. We do. Uh, so thank you to. We got to our... get you on coast to coast. Yeah, but I wouldn't know what to talk about. Yeah, you talk about the Stargate. <laughs> now, and, you know, I listen to guys on there who talk about the Stargate who actually know what they're talking about. No, I, you know more than any, any of these guys. I listen to that show all the time, and it's most of these people are, are actual lunatics. They are certifiably insane. You at least have some sanity. Okay, thanks. That's my pal, everybody. Okay, well, yeah, let's, get, uh, let's come up with a topic that I can actually, like, drone on about. Well, I'm pestering Lois, our PR woman, to... Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I need to... I need a, I mean, not just Stargate. That's no good. It, it, oh, well, then what? I mean, you you, you, you you go on about these things on the show. You can talk on the Nori show and but talk why about... Did, but he talks about other stuff. Being, how about just talking about the media being all, all cockeyed? Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll talk about the techno experts. And the techno experts. That's a good one. Yeah, about Hillary's techno experts. I'll have a couple of clips, and I'll play them down the line for him. All right, everybody, start spamming that guy. What's his name? George? Nori. George Nori. So you got to have Adam Curry on. The guy's awesome. Yeah. He'll be a great yeah, guest. He's very entertaining. And uh, while we're at it, get me on Leo's show again. Oh, oh yeah, right. Why not? I'm good. Uh, you have to go for one thing. He wants you in the studio now. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to go on Molly's show on Buzz Out Loud. Uh, She's good. Oh, good. On the, there you go. That's good enough. On the 21st. So I'm, I'm in town the 20th. You're back, right, from Brazil so we can have a dinner? Uh, yeah, it should be, yeah. Right, and then uh, so that's Tuesday. I'm coming in town just to have dinner with you, and then Wednesday, I'm going to do Buzz Out Loud with Molly, and then I have a stupid meeting, and then I'm going to fly back so I can do the show from here on Thursday so we don't have to deal with that crap. So, hey, uh, thank you, everyone, for the uh, for those PR uh, moves. We highly appreciate it. Uh, cannot get enough of that. In fact, we could use a lot more. And to our executive producers and associate executive producers thank you so much this is the con- this is the level of support if we could get this for every single show you would never hear me bitch i would be like just so happy and it really lifts my spirits to see this i know we sent a mailing out and i know it's like a special number day and all that so let that every week be a special number day and consider uh, being a uh, a donor a supporter of the no agenda podcast you can always do something very important which is to go out and propagate our ever important message our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. I'm wearing the t-shirt today. Shut up, slave. org slash N-A. So I'm scanning around C-SPAN. And I run into this guy. I thought it was kind of a British twit at first, but I got to appreciate his talk. His, uh, his actual name is uh, Rory Stewart. He's a member of parliament, and he was speaking in Washington, D.C., or somewhere, or some bookstore. It, there's book TV on the C-SPAN on the weekends. On C-SPAN and 3. He, yeah. he did a book called Can Intervention Work? 
which is a really interesting book. But he had this uh, this little this very short little commentary that I just thought was amusing, and which will lead me to what uh, something curious that I discovered in doing a little research on the guy. But play the clip, the decisive year, where he talks about how you know how there's a ridiculous amount of optimism within the military, which is screws up the public's perception of reality. It's making a joke earlier about the fact that I've found since 2005 the most extraordinary sequence uh, David Barno uh, in 2000, coming in 2004 saying that he's inherited a dismal situation but he has a new strategy, a counterinsurgency strategy requiring new resources which will deliver the decisive year General Don Abazay 2005 will be the decisive year uh, 2006, General Sir David Richards, commanding again in Afghanistan, will be the crunch year for the Taliban. Uh, 2007, uh, Major General Shampoo, the decisive year. 2008, I mean, we <laughs> keep going almost endlessly. Um, 2009, General Stanley McChrystal, we are knee-deep in the decisive year. 2010, David Miliband, the British Foreign Secretary, the decisive year. 2011, this year, Guido Vestavelle, the German foreign minister, this will be the decisive year. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that. These, these guys should have their own little red book of predictions. Grace, <laughs> the decisive year. So we'll year. never get out of there with these idiots. It's now, so I'm, I'm reading his book uh, on intervention, and, he, and he, he mentions a book I thought was, I thought he was doing it jokingly. Call, but done by the Rand Corporation. I just sent you a link to the book. Yeah, called the Beginner's Guide to Nation Building. <laughs> and I want you to look at the cover of this book and, <coughs> and look at the four memes that you see. And this book was actually written by the Rand Corporation and used by the government to do na- so. So the nation building thing that they're in denial of is all based on this book, which is one step short of nation building for dummies well we just heard that this is what you were referring to when the president said it's time for nation building over here instead of over there yeah so well this book uh, but look at did you see the cover of this thing no it's not uh, oh here it is uh, I, because i have the skype running on the windows machine it's oh, like right. start up firefox and think about it and uh, well anyway so the book the book is. cover is interesting because it has four interesting memes and one of them includes sticking some poor, scared-to-death kid, sticking him with a vaccination by some some army guy. Oh my God! I'm looking at it right now. So it has, it's basically it's for it's a quadrant, and so on the top left we have a UN tank about to run down some schmuck. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty cool. Then we have uh, on the right hand side as part of the nation building is the ink-stained finger of a woman with a headscarf as she's voting. Right, sticking a ballot in a ballot right. box, but she, her finger's way up in the air so you can make sure to see it's ink-stained. And then we have uh, a, 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 a service person, like an army guy, sticking a kid with a needle. Wow. And then on the right hand we have uh, what looks like an Iraqi shopping mall. Oh, no. No, they're trying to build something. <laughs> they're trying to rebuild a mosque that's been bombed. Wow. I'm, I'll put a link in that to the show notes in that. Through yeah, three, and three this uh, looks to be, uh, this is wow. the RAND National Security Research Division. It's a book by uh, James Dobbins and some other guys. This book, is you can buy it for seven bucks on Amazon. Well, I, I just saw a link come by the chat room of, with the PDF. So, you know, forget buying it. Ooh. <laughs> Just download it. <laughs> Good right work. Government money. It probably should be public domain. Yeah. Good work, chat room. Good work.
Well, it's funny. So that, the beginner's guide to nation building. It's funny you bring up uh, these qu- the the quote clip there, because I found an awesome website, uh, which you have to take a look at. It's filled with quotations on Europe, and uh, and it, j- it just has all these different great quotes from the past. So here's Nicholas Ridley, uh, Secretary of State for Trade and Industry under Margaret Thatcher, uh, who says. The European Monetary Union is a German racket designed to take over the whole of Europe. If you're prepared to give up sovereignty to the EU, you might as well just give it to Adolf Hitler. <laughs> who said this? This is Nicholas Ridley, who was uh, Secretary of State for Trade and Industry for Margaret Thatcher. He said that in July of 1990. But here's the one that really killed me. Uh, that's, this, a good, that's, that's a good one for 1990. Well, how about this one? Romano Prodi, who was the uh, EU Commission president in the Financial Times on, the, on December 4th, 2001, said, I am sure the euro will oblige us to introduce a new set of economic policy instruments. It is politically impossible to propose that now, but someday there will be a crisis and new instruments will be created. Bravo. Bravo. Well, there you go. That's exactly what's happening. The guy is Nostradamus. The Eurobond. Who said that and when? Uh, Rom- Romano Prodi, EU Commission President, Financial Times. Uh, what year? Uh, 2001, December 4th. Oh. In the, in the yeah, time. These guys are way ahead of the game. Well, no, it was set up that way. That's my entire point. And now we actually yeah. have this, you know, they're talking about, we talked about this in the last show, about new political power and financial economic power going to the uh, the commission and Haiku Herman running a lot more of that show and gee guess what's happening here's something you didn't see on television in America people Greek cafes and restaurants have closed their doors in protest over a 10 point rise in VAT the cash strapped Greek government imposed the huge rise in an attempt to raise 750 million euros over the next year to help pay off a crippling EU IMF loan and avoid bankruptcy. For owners, it's the last straw. This crisis has hit us hard. We are more than 35 to 40 percent down. Over summer, it was even worse. In the city of Thessaloniki, a record 7,000 police are on the streets as Prime Minister George Papandreou is in town to make a key economic speech. In the capital Athens, taxi drivers join doctors and dentists to demonstrate against the government austerity plans. We're protesting so that the government withdraws all the latest austerity measures, like the ones on health and education. And we are also opposing the taxes they are making pensioners pay. We cannot take it anymore. EU partners are losing patience with the Greek government's inability to bring its finances under control as unions vow to fight on until the austerity measures are wiped from the statute book. So let me just break this down for you. A 10-point rise in VAT, that means everything you buy, everything, all of a sudden overnight costs 10% more. I believe I believe their VAT is now at 23%. I'm speechless. So in other words to run they to run their system they have to take 25% of everybody's money. And by the way in this book on nation building for boneheads 
They, uh, the, the whole thing it really much pushes toward immediately setting up a taxation system. And there's great and deep discussions about different kinds of ways you can tax people. Yeah, it's great. And this is only to pay back bankers. Bankers. And the people of, uh, of Greece, they know it. Uh, by the way, on Tuesday, uh, Bunga Bunga Berlusconi said uh, his austerity measures would also raise the VAT to 21% and add a solidarity tax of 3% on Italians who earn more than 500,000 euros. Sound familiar? An austerity tax. Also, I, like the, I like the word. Let's see if that crops up. And uh, increase the retirement age for women in the private sector. That's great. Hey, bitch, work longer. Save the country. What is that? Increase the retirement age for women. What is that? Uh, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> this whole thing is is out of control. And coming to coming to a, a state near you, coming to you, America, coming, coming to, to you, you, California. Yeah, we're getting out. We're getting out. Got to get out. Um, I, ca- I can't. I can't take it anymore. Sad, but. Hey, by the way, talking about the flu shot, uh, there's a, they got a new gimmick. Play my flu shot clip. Ooh, hold on a second. <laughs> it's a gimmick? I love it. At the Safeway Pharmacy, you can get your flu shot, and you'll get a bonus. You get 10% off your groceries. That's- Save 10% <laughs> on your groceries when you get a flu shot. That should make you feel better already. Ah! Safeway, ingredients for life. You know, it's funny because Christina went to see Contagion. Uh, we- oh. And she and, and she actually on her way out she took a picture of one of those flu shots anytime and you know and you know so she made a joke about it because of course she's not going to get that but uh, so I said you know how was the movie she says oh yeah you know yeah, it's kind of stupid um, but in the movie the premise is there's a hybrid flu consisting of swine flu and bird flu and a, a bat poop. So it's like they're already prepping us for the hybrid of swine and bird flu. Well, we know from our own show that they've been trying to promote this. I mean, Baxter had mixed the the batch of uh, vaccines with with the various uh, with swine elements. with swine flu and bird flu. He had the, they yeah. had the two right in there. No, but I'm just saying now they're prepping you for it. And yeah. well, they got to get the public ready. And the other meme is not enough vaccines. And everyone oh, get- yeah, that's because you got to rush and get in line. Like the, during that, uh, the, you know, I took pictures. We talked about this before. Yep. But during the swine flu fiasco of uh, whenever it was the last year, the year before. Two years when ago. There, I mean, there were people lined up around the block. Yeah, I think we should. It's the no agenda swine flu minute. Just so you know, we still have the jingle. It'll never get old. It'll never get <laughs> old. Coming back for more. Just to, uh, briefly back to uh, to United States of Europe. Uh, UBS Warburg uh, put out a report uh, that states if the Eurozone disintegrates, there is a high risk of outbreaks of violence and civil wars. <laughs> I love it. And, and there's uh, actually we had dinner the other night with uh, uh, some Dutch people and uh, they just bought a house in uh, in California. I was like, all right, all right, cool. Actually, they bought like an, a, a monster house. And uh, this guy made his money by creating the first stem cell bank in the Netherlands. And I was really interested, you know. So, well, well and yeah, and this guy is uh, he's probably ninety eight, but he looks like you know fifty. 
And he starts telling me about this, and it hits me that this is why we never hear about elites dying from horrible diseases. He says, it's unbelievable. The technology exists today to grow within four days. You need a new liver? I'll grow you a new liver right in a jar, and we can put it right in. And you don't need, and this is the problem with it, it says you don't need any medication uh, to help your body accept it. And it's relatively cheap to do. He said, this is the whole problem with the technology. He, he, he gave an example of one of his employees. His father uh, had the tip, like uh, a quarter of his finger chopped off by a, an airplane propeller. Um, and his son, who works at the company, gave him, you know, the part of the stem cell juice, whatever it is. And his finger grew back with a nail and everything. So he's telling me all these stories. And I have no. What? Re- oh, yeah. Oh, no. The, the technology is extremely advanced. And it's so good that now the go- this is why he's moving here. The government is cracking down, telling him, "Well, you can't call it this. You know, you have to." You know, he's like, "He says, screw it, I'm giving up because it, now it's it's just over. Let someone else fight that." And the reason is is because this is so cheap. And you, and when you if you so you know it's like you need a new arm. Bye, darling. I love you. You need a new arm. It's like you, they just grow one for you from your stem cell. This is why it was so controversial. This is why they brought up all that bull crap about, you know, oh, it's you know against God and whatever. Bull crap. The pharmaceutical industry can't have this. They need to be treating you for this crap. They need to be treating you with cancer. Whereas this stuff, like, you got cancer of the lung? No problem. We'll just rip that one out, put a new one in. He told me at the table, he said, Adam... I think the way that the, 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 going very fast is technology. I think you will probably be able to live to your 130. And I believe the guy. And of course, this is why this technology is not really being made um, widely available to the masses because it brings down all of the pharmaceutical industry. Did the guy leave your house on a unicorn? <laughs> In the morning. All right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, he's, my, he's now my friend, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm just some guy came in and dropped that bomb on you. <laughs> kind of. I'm like, well, oh, all no. right. Hey, by the I way, like the idea of growing a new finger. I, I, I got so. Can, can if I have something, can I grow it more? Was my question. <laughs> can I make it longer? <laughs> I got a little thing I'd like to talk about. Did you um? Did you actually catch this uh, O'Biden uh, O'Baner thing at the, before the speech? This open mic. Did you see this video? No. Oh, this is hilarious. I can't believe that. I, I thought, I, actually, I looked on Dvorak.org slash blog to see if you'd have it. So before, You missed it. Uh, it took a long time before uh, the president came out, and, of course, all the networks were already cutting over. And, the president uh, of the United States. Right. <laughs> right, before that bit. So uh, O'Biden and O'Baner are sitting up there uh, on, in their box, in their box seats, <laughs> What do you call that at the the skybox? They're in the skybox. And they're talking to each other like they're buddies and they're talking about golf for about a minute before someone finally says, "Oh, your mic's alive." And I'm listening <laughs> to this and like, "You have got to be shitting me." Listen. Hey, I'm on those barbarians. You are. That's just a date, man. What's the date? How are you? How are you, pal? I'm all right. How are you, pal? I'm all right. Man, we got a heck of a lot I of work, man. Golf and, uh, in August, God, I and I was at a dismal river golf club out in Sand Hills, Nebraska. You know, it's the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's one of the hardest work golf course you ever want to see. Sand Hills and yeah. Dismal. Seven birdies, five bogeys. Oh. I shoot two under. 
so we have lunch. Me. So we have lunch. Sitting around for about an hour, and I thought, hey, why don't we go play nine worlds? Six bars, three birdies, and I missed a four-foot straight-in birdie on the, on the last hole. Whoa! Oh, so the next day I go to Sand Hills. I feel eighty-six. <laughs> One day I play great, next day I play awful. But this is the this is the round of the decade. I haven't done this. That's incredible. Twelve years. I shot sixty-seven one time down. Mike's are live. I don't know if you could hear that through the Skype. Mike's are live. We heard he shot sixty-seven when he was younger. This guy's playing a lot of golf to shoot a game like that. These guys are assholes. Pure and simple. They're always pretending to be like, oh, I'm this side of the aisle, that side of the aisle. How you doing, pal? Hey, how you doing, buddy? How you doing? Well, I couldn't believe it. I shot an 86. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, Assholes. Teach your kids that. Very concerned about their golf game. Yeah, very good. You know, because of course they're all there for the big show. This is like the green room at... uh, You have to shoot a lot of golf. (laughs) To shoot an 86. Well, the shoot in 86, if you're not, you know, playing all the time, but the shoot is in the 60s, like he claims, yeah. which I think is bull crap, but that's okay. But the fact that he even did it means he's just basically playing, and he says, you know, one day, and they're playing golf daily. Oh, yeah. You know how long it takes to play a round of golf? And this is a high-pressure job. Hours, the American hours. public is going down the drain. We can't even get work. Four hours? Eight, eight, 18 holes? About four hours, It's I'd a say. long time, yeah. It could be up to four hours. And you know, and every day. And by the way, this was on ABC. So this was like this wasn't just it was also on C-SPAN. But this clip, which you can find in the show notes three three eight dot dot com, it's actually it's on ABC. And and of course you can see their mouths moving, so it gets even better. You can pick up all the nuances, and it's not a recording of a recording. Um, and and I, I just sat there with my mouth agape. I'm like the the we're, the, the the country is crumbling. The president's going to come up there and read off a teleprompter with some bull crap about something he hasn't written yet, like the dog ate my homework. And uh, and they're just talking about golf. Oh yeah, what'd you do this August? Oh, I spent. I played golf. I I played golf. I wasn't worrying about anyone else. I played golf. Golf. It, it uh, outrages me. And meanwhile, they're setting up the U.S. public to work harder and work more so that while these guys golf. are playing golf. And here's an example. I want to pl- to you to play. Tell me what's discrepant about this important traffic report during the rush hour. It's, a, it's, the, it's the traffic hour, so we're going to break the news on a, in, the, in the morning to play this traffic report. Tell me if you can see the odd piece of information in here that makes you say, what? Time now for your live drive time traffic, giving you a live look there at the Sonol Grade in Fremont, both directions of 680 looking good this Saturday morning. Also want to take you a little farther west out to the Golden Gate Bridge, the north and south tower. They're 746 feet tall, but you can't see them this morning as the fog is still there hovering over the Golden Gate Strait. Traffic, though, looking good. <laughs> Hi, I'm getting paid to do this break at least three times an hour, and there's nothing to report, so I'll make up some it's bull crap. Saturday. <laughs> Why are you doing a drive time report on a Saturday? There is no drive time on Saturday. It's a weekend. They're getting ready for it. There will be when we all have... When, when yeah, ma- they're all geared up. They're ready to yeah. go. They already have the traffic report yeah. guy ready to go on yeah. Saturday. When we make our women work longer. I think that's a, we should implement that. I want to be like uh, the Boonga Boonga guy. Hey, yeah. let's, uh, let's make our bitches work harder. It's crazy. 
absolutely crazy. Let me check the Twitters and see if anything bad has happened in New York City. Something bad did really actually happen. Uh, <laughs> something bad really happened the other day, and it actually uh, messed with some of our noagendanewsnetwork.com infrastructure, our URL shortening service, the nice guys over there at Ajax. Uh they, uh, well, here's the report. A massive power outage tonight stretches from Southern California to Arizona and New Mexico, and officials say the lights may not come back until tomorrow. Just take a look at this traffic jam in Orange County during the commute tonight. Traffic lights and everything else went dark just before 4 o'clock this afternoon. San Diego Gas and Electric says all of its 1.4 million customers are without power. They say a transmission failure at a switching station in Arizona caused the outage, but we've also heard a line was severed. The outage trapped riders in electric trains and trapped people in elevators. Tonight, officials are asking. So, a uh, couple things about this. One, great idea, these trains. That's going to be awesome. But two, <laughs> I really don't believe this. Now, I, uh, I've been tracking the solar flares. This has been going on for two weeks solid. We, and we've even had, uh, and I've reported on this on the show, we've had a 1.8 and a 2.1 X-class flare. We keep having uh, 7 to 8 M-class flare uh, levels, a lot of C-class, which is not all that bad at all. Some of this actually coming at the earth. And they're going to give me this bull crap about someone tripped over a line or something. It's like one guy. Like, oh, I was, I was shoveling in my yard. And I brought down the whole grid, man. Three states. No. There's only two possibilities. One is solar flare activity, which is known to cause these types of outages, which I believe is what's happening. Or two prepping you for the ultimate demise that we're going to get to. And California has had this before with these douchebags just shut off power. Rolling blackouts. You'll remember that, John. Yeah, it's because of air conditioning. Oh, the demand for power is way up. We have to have rolling blackouts. And it turns out to be a scam from Enron that everybody knew was a scam because there's no reason to have rolling blackouts in California. It was never, it was always a scam. And, and, but, you know, that's affected, I think it's largely responsible for Gray Davis being recalled as governor because he was all in on it. He was such a dumb screw up that they had to get rid of him. And they finally, of course, now we haven't had a rolling blackout since, but the demand has actually gone up. I How think, does that work? Yeah, I think uh, at the same time, but actually, electricity demand has gone down, according to reports, because uh, people can't afford it anymore. Certainly not in the state of California. It's outrageously expensive. Uh, of course, uh, this is also a great time to say, oh, we need a smart grid. We need some federal dollars for a smart grid. Slow process. Uh, takes a long time to make sure we're doing it safe and that we don't have any issues as we turn people back on. I suspect that we will be in a situation where some of our customers will be back to service uh, toward the end of tonight. But most of the customers, frankly, are going to be out and uh, into tomorrow. Yeah, and then he says, uh, turn off your air conditioner. Yeah. Um, now, but this is a real problem. Uh, and, and so, you know, in the wake of... Uh, Hurricane, uh, I, I mean, tropical fart Irene. And again, I don't want to trivialize because there's, of course, there's a lot of damage, a lot of people, uh, certainly even, uh, you know, in my own uh, stomping grounds, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, a lot of flooding, a lot of problems. Now, I lived in, uh, in uh, northern New Jersey for 12 years around the Wayne, Patterson, Bergen area, uh, which is where some flooding occurred, which, by the way, occurred multiple times per year for all of the 12 years that I lived there. And, uh, you know, we lived on a hill, 
So it didn't bother us, and we had a creep. Well, one of the clips that I had from one of the flood victims that, that you can pick up on the show notes, a person said, yeah, this is the third flood we've had in the last couple of years. Yeah, that was the one from, I think, last week. We played that yeah. one. And, yeah, uh, there's the third flood we had. Like, well, wait a minute. Why are we exaggerating the, the impact of this one? I got it in the news, and we got all these people over there. We never weren't there before. Well, I'm going to say something controversial. Uh, so I see the uh, the president in his reality show called West Wing Week. I, wa- I watch all this crap, so you don't have to. But, <laughs> and uh, he's in New Jersey in Wayne. I think it's Wayne or Patterson. I, and I lived here. I went shopped here. You know, I've seen the flood. It's like, yeah, it flooded. Well, you're living in the wrong part. You don't want to live on the floodplain because it's a floodplain. You, know, you don't want to live here. But what's happening is we're now being conditioned that when something bad happens to you, because you, you live in the wrong area, which you know you shouldn't, where no houses should be built, don't worry, because Barack's going to come and give you some cash. And he stumped. He actually did a stump speech on the spot, a disgusting display of buggery. Obviously, visiting Wayne, visiting Patterson, uh, many of these surrounding communities gives you a sense of the devastation that's taking place, uh, not only here in New Jersey, but in upstate New York and Vermont. Uh, and a whole range of, of states that were affected by uh, Hurricane Irene. Uh, as President of the United States, I want to make uh, it very clear that we are going to meet our federal obligations because uh, we're one country, and when one part of the country gets affected, whether it's uh, you know, a tornado in Joplin, Missouri, or a hurricane uh, that affects the eastern seaboard, uh, then we come together as one country and we make sure that everybody gets the help that they need. Now, the bull, president rap- now bull crap. This is absolute Hold on bull a second. crap. Before you go on the bull crap, did he say when one part of the country gets infected? <laughs> Let me listen to I that. think he did. I, I think he said infected, but then he said affected. Uh, you know, a tornado in Hold on. Make uh, it very clear that we are going to meet our federal obligations because uh, we're one country, and when one part of the country gets affected, whether it's... Oh, oh, oh wow! You, you win. He actually said it, didn't he? Yep, he said infected, because you could hear the A-N in there, and, and affected does not have an N. Wow, let me hear that again. He said when one part of the country gets infected. Wow, let's listen to that one more time. That's outrageous, John. Thank you. And when one part of the country gets affected, whether it's... Uh, well, that's it. We're dead. They're going to infect us next. (laughs) He did the wrong speech. He jumped the gun. Wow. Oh, my God, John. Classic. That's that's the great thing about listening only. I did not hear that the first time. Well, anyway, so I guess uh, when one part of the country gets infected, the rest of of the country pays for you. (laughs) What I had to say isn't even important anymore. We're getting infected. (laughs) We are getting infected, everybody. Um, I did have a couple quick things on Libya. On the Libya. And by the way, have you noticed Syria has been they they just shh, no Syria. Now, uh, that's because I I I didn't clip it, but Rice, uh, you know, I, my other favorite person in the world, Susan Rice, UN ambassador. Um, they're arguing, uh, and she said actually in her little statement, she said, "Well." Uh, there's some countries who aren't on board with uh, the new resolutions for Syria. Yeah, no kidding. Like Russia, you think? Duh. Um, but first, as uh, just a little bit of... Uh, this will be fun. 
And now, back to real news. So, something that, that uh, you know, it caught my attention, it caught everybody's attention, and, uh, and whenever I see these things, I am trained, and I hope everyone else is trained by now, although no one else, I think, looked into it, that we've got it, that there's something going on here. And this is about the chimpanzees that were released after 30 years. They finally oh, saw yeah, the daylight. Right. And they're all Good hugging point. each other and like, woo! And they go, ooh, light, light, light. <laughs> I can see the light. So, um, I'm, so I'm like, all right, where is this coming from? This is obviously a PR job. Now, it's coming from, and, and, and I know we have a number of Austrian listeners, from this guy named Michael Aufhauser. And Michael Aufhauser... Uh, in fact, I have a little, uh, 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 I translated poorly, a piece from a German article. Uh, he's a multimillionaire. He has like kind of like a castle, and he's built this uh, sanctuary for animals, and he's been doing this for, uh, I don't know, six or seven years. He has like 3,000 animals. They call him like the modern-day Noah, and that he's got Noah's Ark. And it says here, he appeared quite suddenly in the society columns of the Austrian and German media, surrounded by... Uh, stars and starlets. Michael Aufhauser, the millionaire with the animal whimsy. Exactly what he wants to be. He's a pro, a businessman through and through. Um, but where it comes from and where he's from, nobody really knows. That makes a part of his mysterious charisma. It leaves room for imagination and speculation. Growing up in the world of actors, managers. It leaves room for somebody doing some work. So uh, I'm like, who is this guy? Wait a minute. Who would write such a thing? Well, we don't know who he is, and we're too lazy to find out. Well, that's basically it. So, I, <laughs> so I'm googling in German now. This is the I told you before we started the show. I kind of went off on it. I went on for hours on this. I'm like, this guy has got to be somebody. Google.de, and people should know by the way. If you want to look up stuff, and you know, you can Google.fr, Google.de, and you you will go on to the German or the French, for example, search engine itself, and Google. Yeah. That then the database is slightly different. Well, you can also uh, go into advanced search and uh, and from there you can select the language. That's another way to do it. Um, so I'm looking around, and so apparently he's the son of an industrialist. So I guess he comes from old money, but he was uh, he uh, started in like some weird tourism thing. But then I believe he created kind of a PR marketing empire. I'm like, ah, okay, the guy's a PR guy. So, of course, when you hear a story like this, and yeah, I'm all for chimps, you know, whatever. You know, and, and I have to say, maybe uh, the chimps were smelling each other's butt, but it looked cute. Are you like, oh, my God, we're all hugging. Like, oh, yeah, look, they're so human. But, of course, what are we trained to go and look for, John? I don't know what. Come on. Uh, we're trained to go look for animal rights activists, or no. we're trained to go? If it's PR? Oh, we're trained to go look for. Uh, oh, we're trained to go look for a movie from Disney Nature. Witness the incredible true story of an orphan and the one who will raise him as his own. This is home. Now I'm In 2012, for the first time ever caught on film, discover the remarkable bond that will capture your heart. 
Chimpanzee the Movie. Coming to you, 2012. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No! It blew me away! I'm like, oh my goodness! This is like every time we do this, it always turns out to be a movie. I mean, I saw that story and I I just, uh, I I just, I gave up on it. I didn't follow up like you did. Mm -hmm. But I, but you know, it was a bullcrap story to begin with because it was seemed pretty. It just was artificial, mm-hmm. and it was it just stunk to high heaven. But I never thought uh, another yet another <laughs> heart tugging bullcrap story just to get you to go to a crappy movie that probably stinks. Ah, well, it stinks of monkey poop. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Champy, that's actually champy. ridiculous. I, I'm actually getting more and more disgusted every time this happens. Well, but I'm it's just, like every week we come up with so there's a big news story and it turns out to be a, a, a prerequisite for a movie <laughs> or a pre-publicity to get you in, get you in the right frame of mind to want to go see the movie. Oh, oh my god. Chimpanzee the movie. <laughs> I knew you'd love it. It's outrageous. Where'd All you right. get the trailer? That must have been buried somewhere. I just did chimpanzee movie and it popped right up. How hard is that? I got ladies and gentlemen, that's how easy it is. And, but will the media do it? No. no, because it's too much work to type in chimpanzee the movie. <laughs> All right, so a uh, couple things about uh, Libya. Um, uh, Susan Rice uh, comes out and she tries, you know, she's like in the, the UN there, you know, she does a little interviews. No one watches it. There's no one, with them, no one news guys are looking at this. Uh, some people as, are there and asking questions, of course. There is some good reporting going on. Uh, boots on the ground is what's being discussed now in the United Nations. Um, we will obviously look forward to the briefing of the council by Special uh, Representative Ian Martin, which we expect in the coming days. We'll want to take full account of the specifics of his recommendations in the Secretary General's uh, report, and we will incorporate those uh, into a draft resolution for council consideration. Uh, and I think that resolution will probably have uh, different elements to it, principally um, to begin the, to express the council's support and approval of the initial steps that the United Nations intends to take to put a presence on the ground. Yay! There you go. There it is. It's a no-fly zone to boots on the ground to ki- capture or kill. So uh, thank- There's no chance of this happening because you can't have boots on the ground because Obama said no. And it, by the way, it would only take weeks. Not uh, days. 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 I'm so what am I days. What are you talking about? Days, not It is weeks. U.S. policy that Gaddafi needs to go. But let me emphasize that we uh, anticipate this uh, transition to take place in a matter of days and not a matter of weeks. No. Well, good, good on you there. Now, of course, we immediately identified what this was all about. This was about China about uh, the Libyans doing a deal with China, and the first 30,000 people to get flown out of there will look suspiciously like Chiners. <laughs> so, <laughs> get them out of here, hey, you Chinese, get out. So, uh, of course... Uh, get the picture, get out. So, of course, we drop a total of, according to the official reports, 30,000 bombs, of which I have seen exactly zero on television. Not a single solitary piece of reporting has ever showed me a bomb coming from the sky and dropping on a building or anything and exploding. Have you ever seen that at all in the past six months, John? No, they they have refused to show us. 30,000, you know, it's like, damn, man, damn, and the camera wasn't ready. I mean, how can you miss 30,000 bombs? Well, if you're not 
If you're a part of the script, you're not supposed to show it. So anyway, so China, of course, is like, oh, oh. And two on sanctions violations. Is anything being done about the reports coming out that maybe China um, was trying to sell arms to Libya uh, as late as July? Um, with respect to, to Libya, um, we have uh, seen the reports uh, in the press and the statements by the Chinese government. Obviously, we have a strong stake uh, as do all members of the Security Council and all members of the United Nations in the effective and full enforcement of uh, the 1970 regime, and, and including, if not especially, the arms embargo. Um, we will look to, to China to continue to explain and clarify uh, its understanding of what uh, did or didn't transpire. And at this point, um, uh, we, will, uh, we will work with them and through the committee to... Um, ensure that the arms embargo is fully respected. In other words, yes, we're at war with China, and China is having no part of it and has been passing on guns to Libya to stop this mayhem. But, of course, no reporting on that. Meanwhile, Bunga Bunga Man Berlusconi comes right out and says, I love this, this has nothing to do with a popular uprising. The Libyan people love Gaddafi, as I was able to see when I went to Libya. He said Friday during a party meeting in Rome. People have decided to give life to a new era by trying to oust Gaddafi, Berlusconi said. What choice did I have considering America's pressure? He's just coming out and saying that he had to go along with it. He's saying it. Is that in the New York Times? a loose cannon. We can't have this guy around. (laughs) This guy is totally cruising for a a major, major problem. And then, um, this was a, this was a, I went back and actually found this report. Uh, Ex-Congressman Walter Fontroy, you've probably heard of him, because he was a congressman for like 20 years. Did he ring a bell? Nope. No. Uh, so this was the report on August 23rd. Congressman, uh, tell me what you're doing. By the way, with Wolf Blitzer. What have you been doing in Tripoli? Why are you at the Rixos Hotel? Well, as the Reverend Congressman Fontray was 20 years in the Congress, I had uh, joined uh, Dr. K. Paul here in an effort to uh, uh, work out a nonviolent uh, uh, solution. Right now we are in a precarious situation with some of our uh, friends from the media uh, because uh, uh, we fear that unless we are able to uh, relocate uh, that we may all be in uh, uh, danger. Uh, as a minister who believes in the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous, I have joined with uh, uh, Dr. Kay Paul in an appeal to the people uh, who know the word of prayer uh, to pray for us and uh, to pray for deliverance for not only us but the press corps uh, with whom we have been uh, quartered here. Now, anyway, so he goes on. So I just want you to know that the, the real guy and, uh, and and Wolf Blitzer cared about him. And as you know, as a uh, as a good uh, African American uh, citizen, I read Afro dot com, and I see this report, and uh, I I can't wait for this guy to either a come out and state this for the record in some video so we can really play it, or unfortunately for him to disappear forever. Here's a report that came out, and I was blown away by it. Former U.S. Congressman Walter Fontroy, who recently returned from a self-sanctioned peace mission to Libya, said he went into hiding for about a month in Libya after witnessing horrifying events in Libya's bloody civil war. 
a war that Fontroy claims is backed by European forces. His sudden disappearance prompted rumors and news reports that he had been killed. And this is true because I've got some of those links in the show notes. In an, inside, in an interview inside his northwest D.C. home last week, the noted civil rights leader told the Afro that he watched French and Danish troops storm small villages late at night, beheading, maiming, and killing rebels and loyalists alike to show them who was in control. Fontroy said, quote, what the hell I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting out of here. So I went into hiding. The rebels told Fontroy they'd been told by the European forces to stay inside. According to Fontroy, the European forces would tell the rebels, look at what you did. In other words, the French and Danish were ordering the bombings and killings and giving credit to the rebels. The truth about this will come out later, he said. And then he goes on. I mean, you have to read this article, but he's essentially saying that all of our NATO forces went in, were cutting people's heads off on both sides, giving the rebels credit and mind controlling them into thinking that they're so awesome. And this guy's just coming out and saying it. You can't do that. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> so, of course, the other option is that we have to make him into a crackpot. They might well, try that. Well, he's hanging out with this guy he mentions as K. Paul, yeah, right? Yeah, that's not a good idea, probably. K. Paul is a is a uh, crackpot, uh, a weird preacher, Indian preacher, hmm. guru style Christian preacher, hmm. and uh, there's a funny wiki page on him just because he had this. He, I mean, here's a guy. You, this guy had, you know, we, we're, we're like struggling to get donations to our little show, but this guy has a 747. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, and a big top, too, like the newer one. A big top? Yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately, he's doing, so there's a picture of you can look at K. Paul, uh, or it's K.A. Paul, he's a, on Wiki, and there's a picture of it in, in there, and he and awesome. a former crew member described his jet as a flying death trap. <laughs> In 2005, the pilot, co-captain, and flight engineer quit because of concerns over maintenance and non-payment of debts. The plane was ferried to Tijuana in late 2005, where it remains today being fixed. The FAA has revoked the plane's operating certificate. Oh, my goodness. But the fact that he has it is just fantastic. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. John, we got to fuel up the jet. Yeah, yeah. well, this ain't going to do it, but it's a start. Claudia Gerber in Lisbon, Ohio, $150 without comment. Uh, Anna Janicek in Temple Terrace, Florida, longtime boner. Hope this starts to make up for it. Love the show. Uh, Moxie in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, He gave us $98.27. 98.27 is a phone speak for our friend WTC7. You can play the jingle. Oh, it's like if you punch those numbers. I get it. Okay. WTC7 won't go away. Nice work this summer, Adam and John. John and Adam, I'd... uh, Continue to enjoy the entertainment and solid reporting. I'm flying today so I could use some karma for getting through the heightened security theater. You've got karma. 
Also an anonymous donation of 6666. Douglas Kuhlman in Shelvin, Minnesota. Double nickels on the dime in the morning. Gents, I go way back to when $2 was the asking price because of the enjoyment of the podcast. That is a while. Yeah. I immediately started another $2, so I've been blithely coasting along with my meager contributions of $4. Then PayPal dropped one of the two, forcing me to reevaluate. The quality and content of the show has expanded greatly. It's actually worth much more. Especially that slide whistle. That really brings in the dough. It does. It's actually worth much more than what I'm affording. Now, the occasional 5510 and upgrading to the monthly uh, $11.11. This old geezer wishes he could do more. Thanks a bunch in the morning. P.S. How many others are blithely coasting along with the old $2 a month? They should ask themselves, has the show improved? Shouldn't I reciprocate in kind? Damn betcha. The real Doug in Alida, Minnesota. That's a kind note. Thank you, Doug. Thank Jeff you. Mincy, San Jose, California. 5510 in the morning, John and Adam. Uh, besides finally donating... I've also got another domain name to add to the list to consult the book of knowledge.com. Now points to noagendashow.com. I considered pointing it to the search nashownotes.com, but I didn't want to detract from the eventual Guinness World Record. Yeah, uh, good luck with that. The book of knowledge. I, I think, think you should probably yeah. point it to the nashownotes.com. Yeah, search. Yeah, search. I think it's a good idea. I agree. Keith McColpin in Imperial, Pennsylvania, double nickels on the dime. Please have Adam send a special karma call it to my. V- Vegan drone girlfriend, Amy. (laughs) I love her dearly, even though the tofu has shrunk her brain to the size of a peanut. You know what? Uh, That's not necessarily bad when it comes to your loved one, my friend. Amy, here's a little extra karma for you, vegan friend. You've got karma. Yeah. Mm-mm, barbecue. <laughs> Kirk James, Decatur, what? Alabama, double nickels on the dime. Scott Hankel, Sunland, California, 5338. Jeffrey, Sir Jeffrey Gerlach in Alamo, California, 5150, which is the number for insanity uh, uh, in the California code. Uh, a- Andrew Gardner, a- Avenue, Maryland, in the morning. Special thanks to my brother, Elliot Gardner, who got me listening to you guys last weekend. $50 already. He's only been listening one show. Mm, and already he's on board. Love it. Yes. George it. Scanlon, Carpentersville, Illinois, $50. And Sir Tristan Lennon in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales, $50. And uh, and Tristan K- Wilson Kerrigan in Padbury, $50. And that I, every time that happens, I'm confu- it confuses me. Yeah, it's, it's hard. But, uh, whatever the case, I want to thank them and everyone else who donated lesser amounts to the No Agenda Show at noagendashow.com, dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, or uh, noagendanation.com. You can uh, find a donate button there, too. It would help. We really appreciate the help. Yes, we do. Dvorak.org slash NA. Um... I just want to uh, go back to the Hot Pockets 2008 tour. Uh, Dave Seldon and his lovely wife, Debbie, were uh, drove us back to the uh, fantastic Two Rivers campground, uh, picturesquely located between two highways. And uh, she uh, uh, mentioned in the car that she needed a job, and I uh, do recall telling her I'd give her some karma, and I guess I forgot that. I got a little nudge about that. So, Debbie, here you go. Long deserved. Coming your way. You've got karma. It's very important. Uh, also, PayPal screwed us over. Actually, screwed Ua Husman over. Uh, who sent us $66.66 last week. He said, I'd like to ask for some karma. 
I have a job interview next week for a new job that will hopefully help me to bring back some fun into my work life. I think we did this one, though. But anyway, even more like uh, karma for my longtime girlfriend who's pregnant with my child. I just hope the little slave will be healthy and well. The soon-to-be MILF and me are very happy, but I'm nervous as hell. So to make good on the karma, we'll hit you with a MILF and a karma at the same time. MILF, that's one mother I like. You've got karma. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all we have there. It's your birthday, birthday. Oh, no, uh, two quick birthdays. Uh, Wade says happy birthday to his daughter, Cassandra. She turns one on the 14th of September. And Mark Cable gets congratulations from Catherine Cable. He turns 46 today. Happy 9-11 to you from your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. And... We got to do, uh, we have a knighting here, John, which is just, isn't, can, you got your blade? Hold on. Yeah. There it comes. Uh, for those of you who are new to the program, uh, anyone who supports the program in uh, excess, in, uh, up to or in excess of $1,000, becomes a knight or dame of the No Agenda Roundtable. That includes a beautiful white gold ring and some sealing wax. Uh, the ring is really nice. If you've never seen it, rings.nashownotes.com. Uh, when you hit someone in the mouth with it, it actually leaves a, a, an imprint. It's a signet ring. Then it says, uh, hit him in the mouth in Latin. It has a little ITM there and a 33 in our little uh, thing. And uh, they will never forget that you they were hit in the mouth by a knight of the Noogen Round Table. These are the people who support the show. Many of them, by the way, uh, turn out to be doctors of dental medicine and have all contacted me after my tirade. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know, but we have. I got like five notes. Five. Five, uh, and uh, two of them knights, including uh, Sir Greg Birch up there in uh, your neck of the woods. Uh, first of all, uh, offering free service, etc., you know, all kinds of uh, advice, highly appreciated, and uh, I'm going to give up on my, uh, on my dental uh, insurance, and uh, whatever the premium was, I'll just give it to those guys, because it seems like they want to help me out, you know, just for cost, which is really nice. Have you ever had any work done by one of our knights? No, I don't know if I trust them. Oh, I trust them implicitly. It's just it's just that big sword in your mouth that kind of sucks. <laughs> ah, be careful with that thing. Eric Gray, step forward, extend your middle finger, and kneel! Eric, thanks to your enduring support of the No Agenda podcast, known as the best podcast in the world. In the amount of up to $1,000, we hereby pronounce you a Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. In fact, we will call you Sir Eric Gray, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Over here, sir, hookers and blow, Chardonnay's a rent boy, and hot pants and booze for you. Welcome to the club. Well, actually, I should say that uh, Sir Greg Birch did do some work on uh, Eric DeShill's uh, uh, little boy who had some issues with his teeth oh, and did nice. a fantastic job. And it's curious because that, uh, that would be my grandson technically. And did you know that today is Grandparents Day officially? Oh, that's nice. It what? was put up by Jimmy Carter. So 9-11, which is the, the first Sunday after Labor Day, is Grandparents Day. And, of course, did I get a card? Did I get a letter? No. Let me just check. I'm going to WhiteHouse.gov because, as you know, it's not official until Barack Obama has said it is the official Grandparents Day. Um, so let me check. Presidential actions. Let me go see. Let me check. Uh, National Days of Prayer and Remembrance. Yes, there you go. No, it's September 9th. It's been moved. What? Yes. Presidential Proclamation. National Grandparents Day, September 9th. 
It's supposed to be the first Sunday after Labor Day, according to Carter. Isn't this the first Sunday after Labor Day? Yeah, it's the 11th. Uh, the virtue... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was proclaimed on the 9th. Now, therefore, I, Barack Obama, President of the United States, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution of the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim September 11, 2011, as National Grandparents Day. I call upon all Americans to take time to honor their own grandparents huh? and those <laughs> in their community. What? And, of course... Uh, <laughs> He politicized this by saying, as a country, we understand our welfare is determined by that of all Americans. It is our responsibility to provide for our grandparents as they have for us. You didn't do crap for the kid. Are you kidding me? We must, we must keep Social Security strong and viable while preserving it for future generations. We must strengthen Medicare by making common sense changes that encourage high quality care and address wasteful spending. He politicized it. He politicized Grandparents Day. Hmm. He's a douchebag. <laughs> I guess so. John's gonna hum the Sunday Times. Yeah. Some interesting stories in the Times on both Saturday and Sunday, which are the two important days for looking for uh, messages and memes. First of all, the New York Times has written off Obama's job speech as a loser. Mm-hmm. So we can just give up on that. So we don't even have to talk about that anymore. Uh, they also have, a, apparently Guatemala is now becoming in the news. There's some sort of action going on we have to take pay attention to. Also, the clans carving up Somalia was in the Saturday paper, and there's something going on. So we have to follow Somalia, yeah. which, of course, is uh, it, it has been in the news for a while. But, so, but if you take a look at the Sunday Times, uh, there's a there's a article talking about how Israel essentially is under attack. There is a uh, about a, a rich tax breaks bolster makers of video games, which is an upper right-hand corner article, which is always important. And the thing that f- I found interesting was it's th- this is some attempt to gouge uh, some of the software people because there's a couple of things that make no sense. Let me just read a part of, of the third, fourth paragraph. Because video game makers straddle the links between software development and entertainment industry and the entertainment industry and online retailing, they can combine tax breaks in ways that company, companies like Netflix and Adobe cannot. Now, what is, Adobe. What, what is the, I'm not understanding that. What does that mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't mean it's, it's, it's meaningless. Apparently, there's a bunch of different kinds of tax breaks for the rich. Tax breaks that the entertainment, the guys who do entertainment software, the people who develop it, they're taking tax breaks for R&D and for one thing or another that is, shouldn't be taken because they're, they're low lives because they do video games. Right. But, when they, but this thing is bogus because when they say, because there's nothing that I know of that a, that a game developer can do that Adobe can't do. In terms of their Adobe's a retail operation, Adobe's involved in entertainment. Adobe is is a development oriented company. So yeah. something about this whole article is bullcrap. Well, isn't so, it the game guys that put in all the MK Ultra stuff to mind control our kids? I think that they're pr- producing games that are. They, there's the dimension of the word antisocial game is in here a couple of times, and there's a meme that you know these guys aren't. They are not. Part of the, they're not they're not doing the right thing with their with the messages. Right, right. And my one of my I think it was Buzzkill Junior was pointing out that many of these games, especially Grand Theft Auto, has got a lot of anti-social messages in there. They and anti-government memes. <clears throat> 
that I think the government's, I think they're getting fed up, and this is a warning shot across the bow, so keep an eye out for that. And, and the last thing that's on here is the one that is one of our memes and one of our predictions that, to the point where we've actually put it on paper. And I think it's a kind of a giveaway. And I've never seen an article on the front page of the Times with this byline. This article is by Michael uh, Barbaro, Jeff Zellini, and Monica Davey. Why would you have three names? It's not like by, it's this article is by and three people, which is like draws attention to it. Democrats fret aloud over Obama's chances. Hmm. I think okay. that article is a big deal. So break it down for me. Big message. They, they, you know, they, they, they're starting. The doubts are creeping in. The, they, they're prepping the public for Obama not going for not running in 2012. Wow. So the prediction will come true. You think, huh? <laughs> it's possible. It's getting closer. <clears throat> it's possible. It is possible. I mean. You know, there could be a number of factors. He could all of a sudden come down with something that right. you know, needs a lot of attention. He shouldn't. He's not going to run again, or he has to spend more time with the family, or one of the one of the kids gets arrested for dealing drugs. Oh, I how mean, about how about an illness? That's what I was thinking. Come yeah. down with something. Yeah, an illness. An illness. Yeah, like uh, some phony illness yeah. that he gets, and then he has to yeah. you know yeah. relent. And then, of course, all that money that he collects he gets, gets to keep. divvied he gets, up. He gets to keep it tax free. We've already checked that. That's why we're running in 2016, so we can start collecting now, and we're tax-free. We're coasting, baby. What do you? What I'd you like thinking? to know how much money Stephen Colbert has collected. He has a little, oh, he has a political action. He has a committee. super PAC <clears throat> now. But it is my understanding that when you have that, it is tax-free money. I'm not sure. We're gonna have to look into it. Whatever <laughs> yeah. the case is, uh, the, yeah, we'll do. We'll do that tomorrow. I'm sure we'll be looking. I'm into not that. looking into it for a while. We got years <laughs> to worry about. It. But the point is, is that this, <laughs> this is a sh- another shot across the bow. Yeah, and it's a setup. It's on the Sunday paper, which everyone reads, and it's you know, it's got the biggest circulation of any newspaper on a Sunday for sure. And uh, it doesn't look good. Okay. Okay. Does that? Anyway, close that's the- I close. I close my my analysis right there. John's gonna hum the Sunday time. Ooh, good one. You were right on there. Good. You're getting better. With the lag and all. You know, I was uh, I was looking at something, some website that someone uh, it posted on NoAgendaNewsNetwork.com, and it was it's a very funny page uh, with all these like world leaders and whatever like Hitler and all kinds of Mussolini, all congratulating Barack on bringing down the United States. <laughs> It's a very funny page. Uh, But what I noticed there is that uh, every other funny quote mentions Michelle Obama farting. And this is apparently something I missed. Is she a farter? It's like, has she like ripped a couple in public that people know this and I just missed this? Well, there are people that are, uh, uh, there's a name for it, but they, they pretty much engage in public flatulence. (laughs) <laughs> on purpose? Well, no, they just, I, I don't know if they, they just, you know, hold wait on, to hold, let hold one on go a like, a, like the guy in the family guy. I'm going to consult the book of knowledge on this. Peter on the family guy likes him. I mean, he's like, yeah, well, well, here th- comes one. He well, alerts I, I love it. I, no, I think it's funny, but uh, I I didn't realize. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, there's pages of this stuff. <laughs> Does Michelle Obama have bad farts? Oh my goodness! She apparently she farted on the Ellen Show. No, 
on the Tonight Show she farted? Oh, hold on a second. Let's play some of this. I can't believe this. Let's see. Uh, Michelle Obama on Tonight Show. You can hear her. She's agreed to stop by and pay us a visit. Please welcome Michelle Obama. Okay. Okay. All right. That's bogus. <laughs> you think? Uh, family interview. Those are right out of the, uh, right off the uh, uh, What's this? Android. Oh, uh, I think my feet are broken. Whoopie cushion. I've overstepped my bounds. It's none of my business, you know? What was I thinking? My God. This is uh, the, the Obama family interview. Uh, from October 13th, 2008, and uh, let's listen. Shame. Shame. I gotta go. You're going to die. What? Didn't you hear what I said? Oh, this is all cut up, too. This is all... All right, it's bogus. I guess it's not true. <laughs> I just funny. It is kind of... Well, she looked like she was farting during that speech, man. That was pretty bad. She She looked really unhappy. Did you see that? Oh yeah, that's what I, I, I forgot to write that the red book. The yeah, you, they showed her about two or three times, and at the very end, if you watched it closely, when he finished, she shook her head. Yeah, she like while looking down, she she shook her head in great disappointment. It was really weird. Yeah, she was she was looked like it looked as if the, the, we the way we analyzed it, we saw it. We made the assumption that he was going to talk about one thing and he was going to go in a certain direction or he was going to pull a Truman and, and, he, and, and, he, and he didn't. Congress. And he didn't. And he didn't. He wimped out and, and she just shook her head at the very end in grave disappointment at her husband's inability to be anything other than a spineless worm. Okay, that's one way of putting it. And then she farted. <laughs> Whatever the case was, I thought it was just Steve Case was sitting behind her. I couldn't tell. I Kra- think it was him. Krauthammer had uh, Krauthammer. Is that his name? Krauthammer. Yeah, Krauthammer. He had an interesting take on the speech. Struck me was his abuse of the majesty of that setting. A joint address of Congress is something that FDR did on the, the day after Pearl Harbor to ask for a declaration of war on Imperial Japan. It's a place where LBJ asked for a Civil Rights Act, and here it's a place where Obama used it as a kickoff of his own re-election campaign. Quite <laughs> the majesty of that. I thought that was kind of interesting. Hey, second half of the show, everybody. So uh, you know what that means? Means I get to uh, means I get to do stuff like uh, like this. WTC said it won't go away. Uh, so of course it is uh, Happy nine eleven Day, and uh, just need to uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, this atrocity that took place. Uh, with some new information that has come out, uh, amazing. We have pictures that were never before published. Uh, amazingly, amazingly, there's now. Uh, uh, you know, I was so annoyed by all this. All of a sudden, ten years later, yeah, the the pilot was going to ram the plane, and all this, all these new oh, oh, stories. Yeah. No, this th- that was that was the worst one. Is this female uh, jet pilot who is in the news saying, uh, yeah, you know, uh, like we were. Uh, scrambled to our planes, and we uh, we there's no time to arm our plane. So uh, if if this plane had to be taken out, then uh, I was I would have I was to be ram a kamikaze it. pilot. <laughs> wow, really? You're telling me our 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 stuff ain't loaded on the on the on the decks? Oh, you got to be kidding me! But uh, yeah, no, that that's bogus to begin with. Of course, with. it's bogus. What's the point? But uh, and then. And then the other thing is that even without the things you could have done, you know, you can do those crazy things you do to disrupt the plane flying. 
Oh, yeah, you could do all kinds of stuff. You, even the jet wash would be enough. Yeah. So, um, Zombie Cheney. Oh, who is, this guy is getting on my nerves. I was I was thinking about this while I was watching Zombie Cheney, who doesn't have a heart, you know. Yeah, no, he has a heart, but it doesn't pump. He has to. He has no, a, it's a non-pump. Ex- it's, a, it's a pump. machine in there. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I, I realized that this guy was, I think, the uh, chief of staff for uh, Gerald Ford, and he's been in the government ever since. The guy is essentially... He's a professional bureaucrat that was in office as a kind of a you know an you know a, a, an office manager who's wormed his way into the position he's in, and he's never been anything more than a, than a glorified office manager making these kinds of decisions. He's got no skills in in any way except he's a, he's a he's a stooge. Well, even worse than that, he was chosen to find a vice president for George Bush, and then he said, "Hey, you know what? That would be me." Yeah. That's, Unbelievable people guy. People don't even remember that, that he was chosen to find a VP. And he yeah, said, he's a he's a gopher. Yeah, and then he went, hey, you and know And now what? he's this sure. big expert yeah. on everything. Oh, we should do this and do that. This is the good, reminds me of the Monty Python bit where the guy walks into the employment office and he wants to be a lion tamer and he's an accountant. So he uh, had an interview, uh, I don't know if it was NBC, uh, no, 60, 60 Minutes, I think. He was on 60, by the way, he was on both C-SPANs. He was on 60 Minutes. He was on all the talk shows for this book of his. So listen very, very carefully to what he's saying here, and tell me if if I'm crazy. Well, we know I'm crazy, but tell me if I'm not. Well, just listen to it. Now, you and the president had earlier discussed rules of engagement for taking down a hijacked airplane, but you were the one who gave the direct order to shoot down a plane that you were told, as it turns out incorrectly, was headed for Washington. Right. That's correct. What's that moment like? Well, um, it was necessary. And uh, it was a, uh, frankly, I didn't uh, pause to think about it very much because once one of those aircraft became, it was hijacked, it was a weapon. Uh, We'd seen already um, by that time three of them go in to the Pentagon and the World Trade Center in New York. As a result, thousands died, and if we had been in a position to intercept one of those to keep it from striking its target, would we have done it? Absolutely. And what I did was pass on the uh, president's uh, approval uh, of the basic proposition that we would, in fact, uh, authorize our people to shoot down aircraft that had been hijacked and uh, refuse to divert. So I I saw it as part of my responsibility, but I, I did it quickly. Because uh, we had a lot of other things we were doing at the same time. So um, I can count. And what he says in this interview is he gave the order after two planes went into the towers and one into the Pentagon. In other words, we shot down Flight 93. That's exactly what he's saying. Or am I hearing That's exactly this? what he said. And, uh, and, and Donald Rumsfeld, I just want to remind you, already spilled the beans on this in 2001. I dug that clip up for you. have a sense if we imagine the kind of world we would face if the people who bombed the Death Hall in Mosul or the people who did the bombing in Spain or the people who attacked the United States in New York shot down the plane over Pennsylvania Whoops! and back to Whoops! So these assholes won't even admit... Forget you know, my scalar weapon theory. They won't even admit. But here is Cheney on record saying, "I gave the order after you know two plane, three planes had hit, and I and I acted quickly." And they shot the you know there was an eight mile debris field that of course you know has been covered up. 
uh, of uh, Flight 93. They, they shot it out of the air, just blew it up. And uh, I'm so disgusted by uh, this whole thing. Well, you know, that would explain why this woman came out of the woodwork with a phony story or the dubious story, whatever the story was. And all, uh, after 10 years, we never heard this story before, but now we hear it. And I think it also explains a lot of the other screwiness that took place on that flight, you know, with the phone, cell phone calls to, to mom and all the rest of it. And, uh, yeah, well, they probably it, did blow it out well, of the sky. It makes more sense it's, than it's even worse. the cockpit. It's even worse. There's this interview, I think it's with Peter Jennings, and this surfaced. It's, and I'm sure this was aired 10 years ago. But in hindsight, listening to this short clip, or like a minute and a half, of this controller at uh, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Tracon, I think it is. So the uh, air traffic control that uh, was managing Flight 93, and she is. And you look at this woman; she's kind of milfy, by the way, which gives me more reason to believe she's complete MK Ultra. She talks about the uh, the 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 air Flight 93's transmitter being on the whole time while the pilots were being killed. And uh, I've never heard a tape of this. And if if you're transmitting on a frequency, it's being recorded somewhere. That's worldwide. And the claims she makes are so outrageous that it just, you know, she is obviously an asset. The controller working Flight 93 tries to contact the cockpit. United 93, Cleveland, do you still hear the center? I was afraid of that flight. I see this plane climbed up from his assigned altitude to 35, of 35,000 feet to 41,000 feet, turned around and aimed right back at where we were and descended rapidly. And when a plane descends too fast, the computer can't keep up with it. And you get X's in the altitude box. So we knew he was aimed at us and descending very, very rapidly. Now, I will just say that the theory on this is uh, it descended really rapidly. And, of course, the plane actually landed in Cleveland and was uh, switched out, switched over to another number. Um, but that's a, just a conspiracy theory. But let's listen to this thing that she says about the, the radio. At that point, I knew it was confirmed hijacking. I didn't know where they were going, what they were doing. I was worried that we were a target. Confirmed hijacking, by the way, is only when you are squawking uh, four sevens. That's a confirmed hijacking, not when uh, you have X's on the screen and uh, the transponder is off. That is not a confirmed hijacking. That the center was a target. I remember looking at the ceiling and thinking... You know, here it comes. We have all shuddered at the thought of what must have been going on in the cockpits of those hijacked airliners. It turns out the Cleveland controller working United Flight 93 at the time, along with supervisors, actually heard the sounds of the struggle in the cockpit. I said, did you guys talk to him? He goes, yeah, we talked to him. I said, what did the pilot, he said, it wasn't the pilots, he said it was the hijackers. I said, the hijackers, I said, are you telling me the hijackers were talking to you on the frequency? He said, the pilot opened up the mic before. He said, we heard it all. I said, what? He said, we heard them being killed. Have you ever and heard that audio, John? Ever? No. No. And it... it that is something very critical. We don't hear that, but of course we do have this report. Now, just to deal with the possibility of the missing United Airlines flight, uh, the mayor of Cleveland, Michael White, uh, says that a Boeing 767 out of Boston has made an emergency landing 
at Cleveland Hopkins International Airport because of concerns that it may have a bomb aboard. There is some possibility that may be the missing United flight, but we do not know. <clears throat> but anybody who's in an aircraft this morning and made an emergency landing safely is probably one hugely relieved person at the moment. And here's the mayor. At this moment, we have a Boeing 767 in a secure area of Hopkins International Airport. The initial reports was that, that this plane was hijacked and that there was a bomb on it. There you go. Of course, no one talks about that anymore, and it was uh, not in the 9-11 Commission report at all. And uh, that's just a little tidbit of... WTC said it won't go away. And I would like to point out that Congressman Ron Paul in 1998, at the height of the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky scandal, came out and said, we're setting ourselves up for attack. Did you know, John, I'm sure you did actually, that uh, in the Clinton years we bombed Iraq and Afghanistan? Well, yeah, I know we bombed Iraq. Afghanistan, I don't know that. And uh, But it was all covered up by the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And uh, when uh, the four articles... Clinton, in, Clinton had established a no-fly zone over Iraq and he was bombing them. And um, so this Afghanistan, was... Afghanistan, I, I don't have any evidence well, of that. Well, it's in this clip. He talks... Well, okay. n- not in this clip that I'm going to play, but it's in the full clip. I just took a little bit out of it. Um, and so this is Ron Paul being questioned on C-SPAN about uh, the articles of impeachment uh, regarding uh, Bill Clinton lying about uh, sticking a cigar at the intern. If Congress were given an opportunity to vote on whether we should bomb Iraq, would you go along with that as long as it, it went through the, the procedures? No, I would strongly oppose it because they're not a threat to our national security. Uh, Iraq has a third-rate army. They have no ability to wage war. Our policies are deliberately destroying the country. They can't feed their children. They're not allowed to have medication. There was a story in today's paper where one of our private charity groups was being fined because they were trying to get medicines into the Iraqi people. So for us to unleash bombs on Iraq at this particular time to kill more innocent people for narrow political reasons, no, there is absolutely no need cause more bombing because of a very overall flawed foreign policy. How are you going to vote on impeachment? I'll vote, vote for impeachment. For all four articles? Yes. Uh, unenthusiastically because I think the charges are way too mild and not touching the issues that I would like to touch. I mean, that's what we should be addressing. But I wish the Congress would address the unconstitutionality of presidents waging war. That, to me, is a lot more serious than uh, Monica Lewinsky, let me tell you. It has nothing to do with national security. Matter of fact, our national security is more jeopardized by permitting this to happen because we're liable to start a war. We're liable to have our military men killed. We're liable to have more attacks on us by terrorists. There you go. So no matter what you believe about 9-11... Uh, I would uh, place some blame squarely at the feet of Bill Clinton. Yeah, yeah, I think you got. I think you got that right. Well, that's depressing. That's a good way to celebrate the old nine eleven tenth year anniversary. Why? And why are we celebrating a failure? By the way, well, I had this conversation with Miss Mickey this morning, and she said, "You know, it's 
uh, it's very important for uh, there's two two things she said, and I agree, of course, with um, you know. Let me let me take, uh, let me restate that. Uh, she said, you know, a year uh, the first anniversary of nine eleven in Europe. Of course, she was in Europe at the time. The Europeans were like, "What is? What do you get over it already?" Because of course, Europe has been through multiple wars. You know, it's a little hard to read. You know, millions of names of people uh, every single year who died in uh, in at least two, but actually probably more like two hundred wars in Europe. And Europe was used to it. This was the first real full scale attack on American soil, and it's very painful, of course, for you know for. Uh, uh, for the families of victims, I of course immediately pare by saying, "Well, how can we don't read out the thousands of names of military uh, uh, men and women who have died in the name of uh, combating uh, terror?" And she said, "Well, it's because they're military." I was like, "Okay, good." Um, and then she said, "Well, it's really important for the uh, the nine eleven generation." She didn't say that, but I'm filling that in uh, so that we uh, you know so we we remember and we don't start wars. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> Just so you know. What? There's not a... Well, she meant it well. There's not a single... You know, at no point were there, were there German people sitting around eating sauerkraut in the First and Second World War period saying, hey, hey, you know what? Let's go kill some Jews! No. Governments do this. And the way governments do it is they get a bunch of kids who have no prospects, no job, and they pay them to go in the army, and it only takes six weeks... Six weeks is what basic training is, boot camp, and they deprive you of sleep, of food, and they turn you into a robot, and then you don't care. You just don't care anymore. All you do is follow orders, and you go out and you kill people. They turn you into a robot. That's what basic training is. But there's no one in Germany right now saying, I'm going to go kill me some French. I'm going to go kill me some uh, Polish. There's no one saying that. It's governments who do this, the elites who run this stuff. So uh, Buzzkill Jr. wants to remind us that bin Laden, in his first speech after uh, 9-11, blamed Clinton. Oh, really? And called the, uh, the, the collapse of the towers retribution for his bombing. There you go. <sighs> anyway, so uh, that, that'll be it for me on, uh, on 9-11. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely tired of, uh, of <laughs> all of well, this. It's pointless. You could, you know, I mean, I think it's good. And I still think that all you have to do when you get into a debate about it, just throw the WTC7 thing in and just say, where's that? <laughs> just give me just give me an explanation. Yeah. I don't care about the rest of it. Yeah. How about this one? It's donation time. Don't you mean donation time? He means Adam's got another story about drones. Yes, I do. I just wanted to mention this. Uh, it was kind of a funny article about how um, mysterious buyers are snapping up planes left and right, uh, mainly uh, turboprops uh, like King Airs and stuff. And uh, the reason is that uh, the military-industrial complex can't make the drones fast enough, according to the New York Times, to fly in the United States, Iraq, and Afghanistan so they're outfitting uh, secondhand airplanes as uh, spy planes. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and you know that's great because uh, you don't, you know, you don't say, oh, it's just the King Air. You know who knows? Yeah, King Air flying around and round. Yeah, yeah. How high can they go? A King Air. I think the operating ceiling is uh, between twenty and twenty-five thousand feet. 
Mm. I mean, it's pressurized, so you you know. But I, I'm not quite. I'm I'm not entirely sure. But I think uh, the nice a nice altitude is like eighteen thousand feet for a King Air. That's good. But the, but literally because we can't build the drones quick enough. Um, interesting news on the earthquake machine front. Uh, an earthquake struck the Netherlands, Gitmo Nation Lowlands. It's about time. <laughs> Four point six magnitude. I think this might be some some form of a record. Very shallow, ten kilometers deep. So you know what that means. Someone flipped the switch. I don't know. Someone's making trouble over there. And they just go ahead and flip the switch. Good job on that. Yay. Yeah. Just thinking if I had anything else that was, because uh, we got to wrap this up. Oh, yes. Uh, Gibbon Nation Falafel. Uh, Israel. So there's, there's a lot of crap going on there. Yeah, in fact, there's a front page story, the New York Times front page, uh, Beyond Cairo, Israel sensing a wider siege. So they're distracting us from the fact that the public is protesting, and the, and the article is about all this, you know, the ill will between Egypt, Israel, and the rest of them. Uh, so what I picked up on is that uh, the host of a, a big news show resigned on the air after, uh, so there's this uh, billionaire... Uh, they were doing a piece on him, and uh, his attorneys said, you better not air that. And then uh, Channel 10, I guess it is, uh, went into negotiations with uh, the billionaire's representatives, and it, it turned into uh, they, they had to do an apology on the show for, you know, like being nasty to this guy, who, of course, is a dick. And then the host of the show and I think uh, several other journalists said, screw this, we're out. <clears throat> well, you know the irony of this story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, pro- the the I don't know what the deal is, but the apology went to Shelley Adelson, the guy who ran Comdex and is the big owner of the Sands Hotel in Vegas. And I actually know the guy personally. Is he a dick? He's a he's a billionaire. He, it, I think he's probably a dick. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he'd argue the point. But it doesn't. But I don't know what the point. What what he's got to do with Israel. Well, because they, I don't know, they ran, well. You know, it, no, I think they're going to try to put casinos in to, to, oh, to, to balance the budget, and right. I think Adelson is involved. Hmm. Okay, well, that would make sense. Um, I have one last clip that I want to play, but I, you have a couple. You haven't played all of your clips. Is there anything you want to do before we get out? No, I'll probably save the clips. What's for this the look, look, uh, carny blather? That oh, okay, well, this ass. is an interesting clip for people who, who, who are big worshippers of Fox. This is Carney. Jay Carney shows up on O'Reilly every so often, and they get into this discussion. They were discussing Obama's speech. and Jay uh, Carney is the spokeshole for the White House. Right, who former Time Magazine editor. And he uh, gets into a, he makes a faux pas right in the middle of something he says about halfway through the clip. I'm going to see if you can catch it. He makes this funny faux pas, which cracked me up. And O'Reilly, who's obviously not paying attention. This is classic Fox guys. They just talk, but they never listen. And uh, and you, when you hear it, the faux pas itself really says it all. Well, look, Bill, I, I, I think that the American people are tired. The story here isn't about what... You know, people who aren't elected and sent to Washington said it's not about like somebody's association through six degrees uh, and their party and what they said. I, look, I and know, but you should have said, look, the what president the American doesn't people feel care that about way. are not the sideshows. 
Well, look, the, the president feels, as he said tonight, that we need to put party ahead of country. We need to listen to the American people. Right. And we need to do the things that we can agree on in a bipartisan way. And look, I, I think you probably saw that Speaker Boehner put out a, 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 a statement, statement he wants to work the president's speech. I'm uh, and I think that's great. And I think Eric Cantor did, too. Was this somehow related to Rick Perry being six degrees of separation from the Democrats? No. Oh. The, the, no, they were just talking about the speech and and, and O'Reilly's giving them crap. And it was a meaning. You, there was no content in no. there if you didn't notice. No. See, I noticed. That's why I'm searching. I'm digging. But that's why I think, you know, O'Reilly was zoned out. I heard it. Carney clearly said that Obama wants to put party ahead of country. Oh, crap. I didn't hear that. Let me listen to that again. That's awesome. Well, look, Bill, I, I, I think that the American people are tired. The story here isn't about what... You know, people who aren't elected and sent to Washington said it's not about like somebody's association through six degrees uh, and their party and what they said. I, look, and I know, but you should have said, look, the what president the American doesn't people feel care that about way. are not the sideshows. Well, look, the, the, the president feels, as he said tonight, that we need to put party ahead of country. We need to listen to the American people, and we need to do. <laughs> wow. It's because you're so conditioned for the phrase country ahead of party that I didn't catch it. Yeah, and neither did O'Reilly, but it wow. was it just stuck out like it stuck out like a sore thumb. This was about somebody making some comment. This wasn't about the speech. This was about some other little one of these things the right wing talk shows pick up on and they make a big deal out of. And that's what it was about. I can't remember exactly the the, the exact incident that they're complaining about but but this party ahead of country thing and he did was so clear it wasn't like he no no, he no it was caught it himself was, no he it was, no he just plowed right ahead and o'reilly didn't say anything and he didn't say anything and that was the end of it well since you brought up the o'reilly clip i had i did have one waiting in the wings uh and this is uh, about it, well there's two things in here there's something really amazing that comes at the end of it <clears throat> but this is about apparently during the commercial break and we all saw the pictures uh, Rick Perry goes over to uh, uh, Ron Paul and uh, assaults him, and, like grabs him by the wrist and is like shaking his finger in his face. And uh, and what astounds me, of course, is that there's no video of this anywhere. Well, let me tell you, there's video of this. Someone has it. It's 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 somewhere in the video truck. This was recorded. It wasn't passed over. And of course, we don't know. And by the way, where's Ron Paul saying, "Hey, this douchebag came over and like threatened me." So I'm waiting for Ron Paul to come out and say something, but uh, O'Reilly took this as a as a as a chance to to um, uh, diminish uh, what uh, one of the front runners is of the uh, Republican campaign. <coughs> Bill, there was one moment last night in the debate that you did not see, and it's interesting because it's telling. There's a real blood fight going on between Ron Paul, the congressman from Texas, and Rick Perry, the governor of Texas. And at one point uh, during an ad break, Perry walked away from his podium, went over to Ron Paul, shook hands, grasped Ron Paul's wrist with another, and really got in his face. We may never know what was said, but Paul has been saying that Rick Perry isn't a true conservative, pointing out that Perry was a Democrat, and the public didn't see it last night, but Rick Perry gave him an earful last night. Yeah, I don't know why, because, I mean, with all due respect to the congressman, um, you know, he's not really a factor. And we had this last night on, on our program. He's entertaining. He's a gadfly. He has some good gadfly. ideas, but there's no, he has no shot. He's a clown. So for Rick, Bill, Perry, can I address? For Rick, go ahead, Carl. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
can I address uh, the earlier question you raised about uh, why the GOP and the, and the Reagan Library hosted this event? I think it has to do with a behind-the-scenes fact, which is that a key executive politico is also a key executive at the Reagan Library. That was the one we were looking for last week. That's, oh. why, that's why politico is so important. There you have it. Yeah. So, Ron Paul, it's not important. Nah. Just a gadfly. 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 It's just a, just a loser. He's been, he has demeaned Ron Paul since his name was first thrown into the pot. O'Reilly has hated Ron Paul from the beginning. He doesn't like hearing that type of message. O'Reilly himself is a Democrat. And, uh, well, the a, Democrats run Fox. We all know this. Yeah, and he's a phony in that regard. Yeah. And he doesn't even pay attention to the carny when he drops a bomb like he did. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's bull crap, the whole thing. Hey, we really. In fact, appre- that people listen to Fox think they're getting any kind of a straight scoop or just fooling themselves. Yeah, really. We really appreciate everyone helping out as usual. Thanks to all the wonderful artists who are always doing great work for us on creating album art. It's very important. It always makes uh, makes for uh, bigger support of the show. Somehow, I can't explain it. Dimensionality. And uh, to wind it up today, did you know, John, that the United Kingdom of Gitmo Nation East uh, has started growing their own poppies? Well, they can't get enough out of Afghanistan, or they're thinking they're bailing out, or what? Well, the people are questioning this, and the answers are not coming forth rightly. Fields and his group, Poppy Relief, think Afghan opium should be legalized instead. It would benefit Afghan farmers, raise much-needed revenue for the government's nation rebuild, and stop the opium falling into the hands of the drug cartels. Field says it should be military strategy, too. In Afghanistan, we have chosen bombs rather than brains. And anybody who would be thinking about how do we get ordinary people, ordinary farmers who see poppies as a cash crop, how do we get them to protect the backs of our troops? We would be thinking about how do we harness this crop, how do we pay them for it, and how do we then use that crop to transfer it into uh, medicines to counter pain. Burned in Afghanistan and kept a secret here in Britain, no one wants to talk about the UK's opium growing programme. We asked both the farmers and the company they grow for, McFarlane Smith, if they would give us an interview. McFarlane Smith said they wouldn't allow the farmers to talk to us because it's part of their contract with the Home Office that they keep the poppy growing hush hush. <laughs> the Home Office also declined to comment. While poppies are increasingly harvested in Britain, the so-called war on drugs is being decisively lost. The UN says opium production in Afghanistan has been on the rise since the US occupation began in 2001. Laura Emmett, RT, Oxford. So this is very confusing to me. I mean, really. We're losing the war on drugs, so let's grow opium. I mean, and you know, there were two opium wars. Uh, and this, of course, all once again comes back to China. And I'm wondering um, if we're not just in the third opium war. We're just not missing the broader spectrum of all of this. I mean, uh, without without a doubt, heroin uh, is huge. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, my daughter tells me everything. And she says, you know, at least half the people that she sees here in uh, in Los Angeles are doing heroin one way or the other. And not like, you know, mainlining it, but, you know, they're smoking it. Right. And uh, it's a real problem. And, 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 this, and this is just not Los Angeles. This is, you know, like Nebraska. 
So yeah, well, there's ha- a lot to go around. Apparently, have the Chiners maybe just reversed the whole joke is on us now, and they're like, hey, let's get all these guys stoned now. It works so well on us. Let's get them stoned, and then we'll go on. No, the- I think I think this just goes. I don't think so. I don't think the Chinese care about that. I don't think that's part of their scheme. They're they're just. They're out to make money, uh, the, you know, through industrialization and uh, grabbing as many uh, as much oil and minerals as they can to support a growing uh, country. I don't think I really don't see the Chinese in on this action. Okay, I think it's just the military and the drug guys and <laughs> everyone's you know on the cool scheme, but us. Yeah, well, we got a scheme of our own to yeah. deliver the truth to the public at large with a vow of poverty in the background it's a lovely thing oops let's try that one instead <clears throat> say that again because I liked how it sounded do you remember no what was it deliver the truth to the public oh, at deliver large deliver the truth to the public at large there you go so there you have it everybody and uh, so we'll uh, be on somewhere around Thursday. Either I will have a mouth filled with uh, Novocaine, uh, or John will be on uh, a tin can with a string. We'll figure it out one way or the other. We always do seem to. I'm coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center. Where I got my eye out for them drones. I'm going to blow them out of the sky with my double barrel. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, and uh, the uh, it's Grandpa Day today in the U.S. of A. and probably at the households that Grandpa lives in. I'm John C. Dvorak. Happy Grandparents Day, everybody, and happy 9/11. Let's go out and celebrate. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda. In the morning, get my nation. Dvorak.org slash N-A